This is The Strategist, episode 1275. My name is Zane Velcher. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter. Yeah, that's a lot of white men names. But, Corey, we've got another name that is top of our mind, tip of our tongue. And that name, Corey. Really high on it. It's Dave. 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 Now, oh, now, yeah. now. Dave is always kind of on our mind. <laughs> yeah, Dave. There. Right? But there's a specific Dave that we want to tell something to. Corey, what do we want to tell this specific Dave uh, at, at this very critical juncture? So, uh, of course, in Alberta, as our patrons already know, because we mentioned this on the Patreon episode, there is a kind of a a, a wizened old man of yeah. uh, of political analysis, Dave Cornwaye, and every year he has a he has a contest to see who's the best MLA, who's the best up and comer, who was the cabinet minister, who was the person who should have won but didn't. Those kinds of questions, and of course, biggest you know political victory of the year, political strategy victory of the year, and. We really want to win it this year. In years past, we've been nominated. It's an honor to it be is. nominated. But it's very important for our listeners out there to go to telldave.ca before Sunday, December 17th at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Vote for the strategists to win the category of, I don't know, I think it was like best, best political. political strategy, I think. Okay. Yeah. Is that actually what it was? I don't know. No, remember. best strategic play. play. of Something the year. Like play of the year. Okay. Oh, play yeah. of the year is what it is. The important thing is this link... Yeah, pre-fills it out for you. So as long as you go before 8 p.m. on Sunday, December 17th, I need to stress that. Dave's a stickler for these things. You've got to do it before Sunday, December 17th at 8 p.m. That is so good, Corey. You're exactly correct. Yeah, I mean, listen. Well you know, explained. I did it in an economy of time, too. Yeah, the, the whole the- Patreon one like took what, a day or two? <laughs> let me clean up. Let me clean up your mess. Uh, Dave is younger than all of us, so he's not that old, um, which is sad in some ways. Is way. he younger? I don't younger think he's younger than, than you. He's oh, I think, than, yeah, I don't he, think he's... he might be younger than me. He might be younger than no. me. I don't think he is. Um, no, he's, he's not. ancient. I mean, have you talked to the guy? It's like talking to slow motion. When you, if you get a chance, also tell Dave how old he is. Okay, also yeah. tell Dave that he's aging uh, poorly. Yeah. Uh, and 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 if we don't win, okay, Carter, if we don't win. What are you talking about? Uh, we we don't we win. we have plans. No, we're gonna we win. have plans. Okay, we have plans. Okay, you got to no manifest. Way these. No, 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 no way. We no, I don't. I don't need your. I don't need your Instagram influencer yeah. energy here, Corey. Okay, <laughs> I I I have been disappointed enough by the political establishment of Alberta. So if we don't win, Dave, just let, letting you know, we've got plans. Okay. Uh, Corey's yeah. going to come up with those plans, whatever they are. Okay, Carter, that was thing number one. Yep. Uh, thing number Good two, um, I made an appearance on West of Center uh, this past week. Uh, it was really? all the rage on the Discord. And let me tell you something. We weren't invited? You were not invited. This was their uh, first annual end-of-season uh, holiday trivia quiz. And I am I am letting you guys know that I came in second place, which I think I think is pretty good. Let me tell you. Second out of this was two people. Uh, there was three people. There was three people. Oh okay. Okay. Let me tell you this. Let me let me let me frame it Boop. for you. Let me frame this success for you. Thing number one: the winner, Alex Boyd, journalist from the Toronto Star. Okay, the entire tour star establishment at her disposal. She had access to all of it. An institutional player. She takes first place. Right. Not that impressive yeah. when you think about you know all the money, time, and energy that tour star put behind her. Okay. She's who also came, pretty who, smart. Who came in? Well, okay. There's also that. Who came in third? Uh, Mike Solberg, okay? A Solberg. 
institutional energy, family history, he shit the bed, okay? Know. In my mind, he shit I the mean, bed. He came in third. Have you but, met but, and, but in Mike's, pen- Mike's the dumb soldier. <laughs> this yeah. is true. That, this right. is true. Um, and you can you can actually- I love you, Mike. Yeah, you can get the entire history yeah. of it at uh, SolbergSoiledIt.ca, uh, which will have the entire history of the Solberg uh, uh, political clan. Uh, Carter, me, an independent yeah. player, freelancing, zero prep, second place. I feel like I feel well, like the I zero did. prep I feel is like really telling. It. Yeah. Zero yeah. prep is really planning. I mean, like, did you know it was the end of your quiz? I, I did. I did. But I thought I'd know and everything. And you did know They homework. asked us numbers. Let me ask you. Let me ask you one of the questions they asked me. Okay. I think you're going to sure. get, you're going to get, what is the raw dollar figure that Alberta wants from the Alberta, from the CPP? Uh, I believe it is $324 billion, Alex. Well, I'm not Alex. That's a wits Oh, okay. Okay. So does it count? Does it need to be in the form of a question? No, yeah. What is uh, $324 billion, Alex? Uh, you mean Ken? You mean Ken? Sorry, Carter. <laughs> you, mean, you mean Ken Jennings? Carter. Ken, oh, is Alex dead still? <laughs> Jesus, okay. Jesus Christ, Carter. Corey, <laughs> what? Carter's answer is 324. What is yours? Uh, my answer is 53%, but also 334 yeah, Okay, you fucking Googled that close. shit. You could see it. No, no, you did not know this. You did not, I got 53%. Uh, I, 334 Um, uh, We had other questions like, what was the surplus at some point during the year? Um, 5.5 guesses, 5 billion? Guesses, yeah, that was the most recent one. Guesses included uh, 15, uh, 40, uh, and three and a half, just so you know. We had a wide range. Um and let me tell you something, Kathleen Petty, she just she just looks at you the whole time. But you know, you can you could also congratulate me at congratulatezane.ca, which is gonna be a new website where you're able to uh, oh send me a congratulatory you're email. Us. You're gonna bankrupt. You can send me a congratulatory email it's for my Christmas, second place finish. I, I think I think on the, the grading curve I won. I won. It was it was a very slim uh, victory for the institutional player in that race. Uh, Soilberg soiled it, as we know, but I feel like I, I won that thing. So which Soilberg was it? It was Mike? Uh, this was the Matt? dumb one. This was the dumb one that we were oh, talking about. Oh, the dumb yeah, one. Okay. okay. <laughs> <Good>. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a, that's a quote by Corey, who's going to have a yeah. lot of apologizing to do to Mike Soilberg. Uh, good. Are we done with this? No, one, no, he won't. Mike Soilberg won't even remember. <laughs> <Amber> <laughs> Completely. Jesus Christ, Carter. Okay. Let's look. let's move it. Is, okay. Do we want to move it on? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's already eight forty-five on Sunday, December seventeenth. <laughs> we best move on. Yeah. By the way, just reminding you, uh, there is a deadline at TellDave.ca. Thankfully, we have not passed. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. it. Don't Do forget not forget it. the yeah. deadline. Don't Please forget. get in yeah. at the deadline uh, <laughs> or earlier or sooner. Uh, Come on, Carter. Anything yeah, else to can. talk about before before I move on? Because we've got one big topic we're going to cover. Is there anything you want to talk about as we um, as we as we jump into our first topic, Stephen? Massive headache today. Yeah. So if I seem cranky, uh, it's because of the headache. Okay. Good. <laughs> Way to undercut everything you're about to. Do. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off, Corey. Fuck off. Pretty good. Um, Corey, um, what, what is um, what is going on in your world? I don't have a headache. Excellent. Um, before we did jump you guys into this, watch uh, Taylor Swift at the football game. No, what did she? That's all she? I. That's all. That's all my TikTok is right now. So. No, it's been your TikTok for months, Carter. You need to get out I of know. that boot loop. I don't. I apparently there's something called Neil the Seal that my kids are telling me about, so I got to get onto that. What is that Neil the like Seal? Okay. No, no, Zane. No, no, no. What are you doing? Neil no. the Seal. No, it's no. a seal in Tasmania that's been terrorizing the town. 
because it gets out and it's been like lying in front of people's I just, cars. Saying, I want you to know you asked him. You know, this. he hits a 600 kilogram to steel. Me and to the rest of our he, listeners. He just, he comes out and, and he God. lies on the ground. Oh, he's God so, in this nature. he's so lazy. I, and uh, we could be in the yeah, first I mean, he's segment one of already. Only Thirty right now. seals born in Tasmania. But here we are in the last little while. And he's it's still quite talking. Amazing. It's, I, I don't it's even amazing, know. Actually. How does something with three hundred kilograms it. like travel around the town? But that's what and happens. This is with normally Yield where you have to say one of the things that you say. It's like, amazing. Really. Let's move it on I, to our first fan. segment. I'm a big. Oh, there we go. Snapping into focus, Stephen Carter. Let's move it on to our next segment. Our next segment, <laughs> passing the torch to the new boss, Stephen Carter. Jason Markasoff has written a piece about the Alberta NDP. This is a political party for those from across the country that may not remember or may not know. That is the official opposition here in Alberta. In the piece, Markasoff talks about Rachel Notley, uh, the, the former premier, the current leader of the party. Uh, Corey, we on this podcast have talked extensively about if Rachel Notley will, will leave, what that looks like. Carter, we had a great episode where Corey was wrong, I was right around how she should leave, whether it should be a speech or a video. Uh, you can pick the winning team, and we know exactly what that is, it's Carter. A speech? Um, that is incorrect. Um, and Carter, <laughs> that, is, that is wrong once again, but I get it. It's for sure speech. Uh, no, it's definitely not. Yeah. So I'm um, on Corey's team? Here's what... Very upsetting. It is upsetting um, to, yeah. to, that, that both of you actually have, have lost your mojo on this pod. But Corey, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to not talk about Rachel Notley. We're just going to enter a, a period right now where we talk about who can potentially take over. Because in this piece that Markasov has put out, there are a few candidates that have emerged within the current NDP caucus. Uh, he lays out three particular candidates. We'll, we'll talk about each one of them. Um, he talks about uh, what their pros are, so the pros of their candidacy, so to speak, P-R-O-S, I guess, rather than P-R-O-S-E, just so folks know what I'm talking about, uh, what what their viability might look like and, and how they might be angling for the leadership. I want to talk about the dynamics. There's so much to talk about in terms of right now, even prior to having Rachel Notley announce, is it valuable to have your name out in the media? What do each of these camps need to do? How do they need to position themselves? Do they need to position themselves? So many questions. But Corey, I'll give you the first word in terms terms of where we find ourselves right now with um, rumors of, of Rachel Notley potentially leaving after a, a very storied tenure with the NDP um, and those that are within that caucus potentially looking to take her seat while she still has it. Yeah, so can I just say off the bat how relieved I am that this piece is out? Because literally for months now, whenever this topic has come up, we've not really had anything to anchor it on. And there's been whispers and rumors, but not like media conversation about this. I have no idea about like the 100% veracity of what Jason Markasoff put out. There's a couple of various components in there that maybe can be pulled apart. But People I People should say go read it, by the way. It is a good piece. It, they should. It is for sure 100% what I've been hearing for the past bit. Like, it might not be 100% complete. There's been other conversations out there as well, additional threads, additional people in the mix. But it is, by and large, what everybody's been talking about in the back rooms for, for, for months now. And it, it kind of... It kind of puts out there that narrative, you know, maybe not 100% perfect, maybe not 100% complete, but really pretty consistent with everything else that I've been hearing through like the various, you know, hangers on in politics and, and chat. Corey, can I, I know if Carter sort of wants to validate that. Let too. me let me dig deeper. First of all, like, in what sense? And secondly, why does that actually matter? Like, in the, both of them might be obvious questions, but I think they're worthy of asking. 
Yeah, well, in what sense? In the sense of like, this is the general thinking that's driving Rachel Notley's decision making. These are the people who are looking around and talking to people and organizing within the NDP caucus. Those conversations are all happening. These are people on the outside who who maybe are a little bit interested in it. These are what some of the dynamics might be if this goes on. These are some of the considerations that everybody's going to have to contend with. And now, uh, you know, we can we can kind of anchor a conversation on something that's more than like maybe you want to still call it rumor, but now it's rumor the CBC printed at least, and we can talk about it with a little <laughs> bit more concreteness as we move forward here. Carter, you're, you're giving give me some of your takes, and then I've got a path that I want to. It's a windy path uh, as expected that I want to lead you guys down. But give me your, your top line take in terms of the Markasov piece and 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 how he's framed the current state of affairs with with three leading candidates, three camps, and we'll talk about those candidates in, in detail in a moment well i think that this is what happened like this is what happens when you run out of news to a degree i mean um there were lots of things happening during the legislative session uh no one was really focusing on uh rachel notley's imminent departure um and let's be clear she is going to leave you know sooner than later i mean i think that that's um a, a real a real truth uh, sooner than later being that she'll be out closer to um, closer to, you know, closer to the first year than the fourth year. That's probably the easiest way to put it. So people are naturally gearing up. People are getting started. And uh, this type of an article is the standard media piece where they say, OK, this is something that's bound to happen. Who's going to who's going to run? Uh, what are their perceived weaknesses and strengths? I mean, it's just absolutely kind of pro forma for what we would expect for a, a known departure uh, of a leader. And and this one to me is a total known departure. We know she's going to go. This isn't uh, isn't something that's baffling or something that we're waiting to uh, confirm, really. Corey's eager to get well, in. Can I say, yeah, jump in, Corey. Yeah, that, you asked why this matters, and mm-hmm. I said why it matters for us, but let me tell you why it actually matters, which is, building on what Carter said, this has generally been a known but unspoken or often hedged with, if she decides to go, which I suppose yeah. we should still do because Rachel Notley could decide not to go, but it has not been kind of publicly discussed in a way that would drive an article like this. So that matters because it's one thing for that sort of to be implicit, but the minute it becomes a little more explicit through articles like this, I think it starts to signal the end of something, whether you want it to or not, right? And people start acting differently and people start planning differently. But the other thing I want to throw on the table is now we have a couple of people, three people in particular, who have been explicitly named as candidates in this thing. And that matters too, because now the next time Sarah... Hoffman makes a comment about municipal affairs, people are going to be looking at it through the lens of, well, is she saying this as an NDP critic in Rachel Notley's you know, team, or is she saying this for herself? And it changes how everything is perceived from this moment forward, because we cannot help but think of Racky Sarah and Kathleen as leadership candidates now. And that's just the reality that I think a lot of people have been struggling with. But that that circle just got way bigger this weekend, even though it was kind of implied but not necessarily explicit. Now it's pretty It is such an interesting conversation to me, Carter, what Corey's talking about here, between what the the rumor mill uh, churns out, and and not even the rumor mill, but like the the insiders – 
so to speak. And yeah. I use that term in the loosest fashion, right? The political yeah. insiders or the operatives and the activists and what they know versus what happens when it sees the light of day through a news article or through a wider public domain. And I guess the question I have it leads in, 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 into exactly what Corey's talking about, Carter, which is now that you've got three leading candidates within the Alberta NDP caucus named with Racky Pancholi, uh, Sarah Hoffman, Kathleen Ganley, and I'll, like I said, I'll discuss each one of them. Uh, what does this do for them? Is this good for them? Let's start here. Or is it conditional on if it's good for them? And and let me frame it in a sense, right? I said we don't want to talk about Rachel Notley, but it is important. You still have a sitting leader. Is it good to have your name be openly discussed while there is a sitting leader? Are you the, from the school of thought that all press is good press? Is it conditional depending on who you are, so to speak? Give me your thoughts on like the top line. Now that you're named, is that a good thing? Or would you rather not be named, Carter? Yeah, it's a great thing. I mean, will Rachel Notley be upset? Yeah, maybe. Who cares, right? She's going to be the leader for a period of time, but she's not going to be the leader forever. So the punishments, uh, the punishment that she could dish out for the quote unquote disloyalty that you're showing by enabling your name to show up um, is relatively minimal. Um, if Rocky and Sarah and... Uh, Kathleen have done their jobs properly. They've probably already had a conversation with her and said, you know, this is something we're considering and, and uh, you know, we don't want to start anything before you give us the go. So, but just know that we're thinking about it and thinking about it in this context means making telephone calls and making sure that people are arranged and making sure that, pe- you know, the, the, the organizers are aware that you might do it if the opportunity should arise. And of course that gets interpreted and, as definitive, right? It's, well, obviously she's going because she's making telephone calls. Um, That is pretty much the standard operating procedure for a leadership. Um, We see this even when the leader isn't saying that they're going to leave. We see this in Justin Trudeau's world. You know, telephone calls are being made. Uh, Organizations are being formed, uh, even though there's no leadership race. And it may, they may not come to be, but right now uh, it's fairly, it's, it's, it was always good money that there was going to be a leadership uh, in the Alberta NDP. Corey, I'm going to ask you the same question. Can I ask you a derivative of it first? Which is, yeah. and I don't know if this, to be absolutely honest, I don't know this to be the case, but I, I like sometimes zooming out and talking about how you approach certain political strategy plays. Let's say this was the first time your current leader heard about you wanting to do this. What would you do? Would you... <laughs> and, 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 and I guess the other way to look at that is that... Um, there's like these rumors are probably known, right, to 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 everyone right. that insiders, including Rachel Notley and others. But I I just it's really like a people management conversation, right? Being like, hey, I'm hearing you're wanting to leave, potentially, maybe you want to respect that. How do you have that conversation? Even if it isn't on the back end of this Microsoft article, which I know is a little bit of a stretch to think that that would be the world that someone would be living in on the inside. But it might be the first formal time that you hear someone's name. How would you have that conversation? Uh, or when you see them sure. in the hall next time, or when you have that next caucus meeting or whatnot. I, I find these human dynamics to sometimes be the most uncomfortable, but it also shows a real deafness of being able to navigate leadership in a real way. Yeah, so it's super interesting when the leader has signaled that they're already going to leave or when everybody expects the leader is going to leave because there's almost like what's expected of you, but what's expected of you and the and the part that each person plays in that conversation is not the real power dynamic anymore. So let's start with what will happen in some way, shape, or form. Hmm. The leader is going to say, 
either prompted by them coming forward, ideally, because that's that that's better and it looks better to say, hey, I'm considering this. I just wanted you to know no surprises, right? I would never do it if you're here. All of the things Stephen's saying. Or the leader says, hey, I saw you in the paper. We should talk about this. There would be a conversation about kind of expectations, what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do at the current moment that you're in, right? So I understand, but I, I want to be really clear. I haven't said I'm going yet and or I haven't pulled that trigger yet. And or even though you all know I'm leaving, I expect you to act in this way if you're going to be part of my shadow cabinet and be using the caucus resources. And by the way, I expect caucus resources to be used in this way. And by the way, I expect you not to be leaning on staff to be part of your team and by the way and by the way right and and the rules set out by the leader and perhaps the people around the leader saying this is how we we want you to comport yourselves as leadership candidates mm. and then the candidate is supposed to say oh yes absolutely rachel for sure that's how it's going to be uh of course you're still the leader of course i'm still a good team player this sounds extremely that's scripted the theater. yeah yeah that's what i was gonna oh yeah that's yeah. the theater we're all supposed to play in those moments here's the reality you've got one person who's not holding a, you know, a straight flush. They're holding a bunch of coasters. They're only leader in name at this point, right? And they are bluffing with somebody else and saying effectively, don't act in a way I don't want you to act. But the minute that there's this sense that the leader's gone, the dynamic is different. And people may decide to play it as though it's more cordial and friendly because that serves their benefit. They want to be seen as a team player. But that's because it serves their benefit at this point, right? The actual authority of leadership has shifted pretty significantly in these particular moments and things are going to happen. Things the leader said not to happen are going to happen. People who are told not to work on campaigns are going to work on campaigns. Leadership candidates told not to approach people are going to approach people. And that's the reality from this particular moment forward. And and, and to be clear, you mean this moment now that it's public in this way? Or do you feel like this... I mean, no, from that conversation like, yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Corey, I'm going to give you a fair shake, uh, as, as I did to Carter on the, on the core question here. If you are one of the three candidates named in this piece, good day for you, bad day for you, tough day for you. Give me your top line take, or is it conditional, as I, as I gave Carter that option as well? Yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it would be, let's put it this way. I don't think it's a good day. It would be a bad day if you weren't listed, right? So if you're in that caucus as well, yeah. like even if you're kind of in that lower paragraph where they're like, oh, and Samir Kiani's sort of looking well, bad well, day. Well, he's, he's the one right? that's shadow running my campaign for Zane for Leader. Just to, he doesn't know it yet. But, <laughs> yeah, the stock. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. He will be the stock. Yeah, player. no, I mean, so the reality is like getting like your picture, like the big three in caucus, you need to be, you, you don't need to be there. You don't need to be there, but... That's kind of where you want to be. Like, if you're not even mentioned in that article, like if nobody even considers you serious enough to sort of have gotten to that point, that's a challenge for you. So it's not so much this is a good day. It's this was not a bad day for those three. That's interesting. Is there is there any part of you, Carter, that when you see this, this is kind of like a sigh of relief that like it's out there, like and I'm I'm named. And now that everyone knows, I can just go do my thing. Like, does today, like, and I, and I don't want to, so, like, to spend too much time on this, because in many ways, like, folks have been talking about these names for a long time. But I just kind of really wanted to dig in, because this provides us a really interesting example of, of, of things that we've heard, the three of us individually, versus what now is reported. And, and if the public side actually fundamentally changes anything. And so one of the things I'm thinking of, Carter, is it as a sigh of relief, being like, okay, I'm out there, I'm named, no, no reason to hide it, it's publicly open, let me just do my thing, run even harder. Or, or does it not give you that sort of uh, um, particular sort of ammo or wind behind your back? 
I don't think it's that definitive because mm. it's not like you can really change your behavior at this point, right? Be, and and it's in part because of the rules that the NDP brought in when they were in government. You can't just start spending money on a leadership now. You can't start hiring people and gearing up and, and getting ready to run a leadership. Um, you mean like aren't functioning? Like, like yeah, 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 yeah. So all you really have until such time as there's a declared vacancy in a campaign that's about to begin, all you really have is the ability to very loosely start bringing people onto your team without any, you know, resource revenues being raised. Uh, no, you know, I mean, you can start putting people together on a team and say, you know, when it's time to go, can you take a leave? Uh or, you know, I'm, I need you as a volunteer. Um, you know, you can start building your resources that way, but you're not going to be in a position where everything changes overnight because your name was in a newspaper article. It's the same thing you were doing yesterday, except you'd get to do it today. And may, you know, maybe the circle of who you're talking to expands because you don't need to be quite as worried that you're going to make the wrong phone call to the wrong person mm, who's going to mm. call the leader and say, what the fuck is this person doing? You know, I can't even believe it. That that could happen right now. But I think that given given the way the leadership campaigns were organizing before this argument, uh, this, this article, uh, which I think both Corey and I had seen, and, and I think Zane, you'd seen mm, uh, mm-hmm. evidence of up close, um, I, I don't think that anybody was particularly worried about pissing off the existing leader. Corey, your take on this. Uh, the, the question was really like a sigh of relief for any sort of like, yeah. hey, now that it's out there, I can just do my thing. Well, I think it is incremental. Mm. It, it doesn't fundamentally change it, but it's big incremental, right? It made things way more concrete. Stephen talked about you're going to be reaching out to people and, and maybe the tenor of those conversations change a bit, but people will also now be reaching out to you. Yeah. They'll be sending you emails saying things like, hey, I saw you were mentioned as one of these candidates. I just want you to know if you go for it, you'd be great. Mm. Right? You're going to have all of a sudden an entire different stream of activity going on. And can I say the other thing about it, it in terms of like incremental march forward here is the way the article was written and the way it talked about kind of these big three candidates in terms of caucus and then some other caucus people who might be looking at it almost in one paragraph a little mm-hmm, bit later. Mm-hmm, and, yeah. oh, by the way, here's some external names that might interest you here, right? The interesting, interesting thing about that, too, is pe- there are also going to be people who look at that list and say, well, none of the above, right? Like, I'm, I'm not really excited about any of those. And so this will also create what I will call, and you see it in almost any leadership, like the second wave of leadership contemplation, where people start saying, hmm, you know, maybe I could put my name in that race too. Maybe I would be able to uh, add something to this particular race. Maybe I would present a point of view that is not represented by the, you know, the names that I have seen in an article like this. Carter, let's let's talk about the the specifics here. So there's three individuals named uh, familiar familiar to those who follow Alberta politics. Uh, you've got, uh, of course, Rocky Pancholi from from Edmonton, uh, who was first elected in, in 2019. You've got Sarah Hoffman, the former deputy premier, current deputy leader, former health minister. You got Kathleen Ganley, uh, the former justice minister, um, Ganley from Calgary, notably. Racky and, and Sarah from Edmonton. Carter, when you look at this, I'm just delaying the specifics of each one of them for a second. Are you a believer that, like, for the NDP to be successful in this race, the party, the institution, to be successful in this race, that it needs certain things? And what, what I'm trying to get to is that 
like what I'm really impressed with is that there's three women candidates wanting to be the next leader of the NDP. But in some ways, for the broadening of the tent, does there is there's a school of thought that we have actively heard, and I want to test on this podcast that this race needs other things. It needs an outsider, for example. It needs maybe a man to run, for example. It needs another candidate from Calgary. Are you a believer that in order for a race to be successful holistically, that the field needs to be have different characters playing different roles, so to speak, to project something about the party? Or are you a believer that who gives a shit? It's only what comes out on the other end that that matters. Give me your school of thought around this, uh, even for this race, but also more broadly, because I think it's an interesting sort of examination of story and characters and role, uh, so to speak, in one in some way or not. Well, the very first thing that they need is a race, right? So they need it to be an absolute battle. Um, they need th- three, four, five really strong campaigns that have equal ability to raise money, have equal ability to sell memberships, uh, have the capacity to generate media awareness, media attention, um, even during, you know, dull, doldrumy type spots of the year, uh, where it may be, you know, like a, uh, over the summer when it's hard to get attention or whatever the situation may be, but you need, th- you know, three, four, five campaigns that can really do a great job. Um, that's the first thing that they need. Do they need those people to fit into certain categories or certain groupings? Yes. I'd like to see an outsider. Yes, I would. I think that an outsider would enable us you know, like that party gets defined differently when someone comes in from the outside. But I don't think they need an outsider like uh, a no-name candidate that that simply can't win. I think they need an outsider that it fits into those five or six campaigns that, that can raise the money, uh, they, that, that can speak to the media, that can generate interest. Um, and then they need to make, they need a battle to ensue about what this party is. Is this the old NDP, or, or if you will, Rachel Notley's NDP. Um, one could make a case that Sarah Hoffman will represent that, um, you know, very well. She, you know, she'll be representing a a, uh, a team or a point of view that said, you know, we've got, we formed government as the NDP under Notley. We, we have uh, the largest opposition in Alberta history because of Notley, and we need to continue to build on that. And then I think you should also be seeing a group of people who say, you know, we should have been government. The fact that we weren't government is a, a giant failing. And that would be a great, you know, d- dialogue to have during this campaign. But I'm not really into this, you need a man to run mm-hmm. type of uh, thing. I, I think it would be helpful maybe if there was a, a male candidate, but I don't think that a male candidate is what they need. What they need is an outsider who can, who can really push the barriers and, um, you know, outsider who, who defines the field, uh, by really, you know, pushing these three frontline candidates, uh, to do a much better campaign. Corey, what's your, what's your thought of like what I've broadly called characters and role and like that, that kind of help project success for, for, for the party. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I gotta say, so this is, this is really common party thinking. People start saying like, oh, do we have, like, what are we presenting mm-hmm. with our list of candidates? And then they often will then take to a simplification of their candidates as well. Like they become the Calgary candidate or, you know, the candidate who wasn't there the election before or something Which, like that. Which, by the way, this article yeah. kind of like explains. It's like, totally, in, 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 in yeah. like, like Rocky Pencholi totally. is the outsider, which I don't think anyone 
with no Steve, for example. I mean, yeah. I, I don't I don't even know if that's how she wants to position herself uh, or if it no would be strategically that. advantageous for her. But to your point, Corey, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So so this is like and, and look, it's kind of human nature. They try to elevate her pitch. They say explain the candidate and the appeal in kind of one sentence or whatnot. Very common. I can't, I mean, I guess I would just say I've seen that go wrong so many times that everybody should stop and think about it a little bit. And I'll use Jagmeet Singh as the perfect example. Justin Trudeau was elected. He was the young guy. He was the dynamic. He was the exciting guy. And so then, the in my opinion, the federal NDP went out and said, let's go find our version of that, yes, right? Yes, The young, exciting upcomer. And that was classic fighting the last campaign stuff. And so when they simplify to that, they tend to also to go to that next logical step, which is, well, why did we lose last time? And so there's like the knee jerk, oh, not from Calgary. Boom. All we need is a Calgarian. No, well, that's not true. What you don't, it's not, yeah. that's that's like, that's one issue in one campaign that maybe mattered, maybe didn't. In, in you know, their defense, the, math, the math does not change in that sense, in the sense that they need growth in Calgary. But I hear you. I hear you. Uh, but okay. it's not like Samir's going to take them there. Right, like it's yeah, oh, but what? also here we go. No, 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 Zane, no, no, no. But Zane via Samir, that's just that's oh, fucking yeah. with gas. Sorry, I... Yeah, <laughs> Listen, the next election is not going to be the last election, and it's quite possible that you have an NDP candidate who can't afford to lose five seats in Edmonton that all of a sudden are at risk because they're not like such a stranglehold on this. I get it. Right? Good point. Like I just think my point is simply this. That oversimplification, I think, is very dangerous for a party. And a party needs to sort of step back and say, what are we looking for in a leader? What are those fundamental leadership qualities we're looking for? What do we want our party to be? And that does sort of get me to what Stephen was talking about, which is this battle for the heart and soul of the Alberta NDP. For me, that's the way more interesting component of all of this Mm. here, right? Because there is something the NDP needs to do, and they don't necessarily need to do it in the leadership campaign. Right. They could do it after the leadership campaign. They could tackle it with the new leader over the next couple of years. But there is something the Alberta NDP needs to do. They need to split with the past. And they need to split with the past in small ways and big ways. And I'm not saying this is a judgment call and that they need to go left or right or anything like that. But they need to become whatever they're going to be next, not try to be what they were last. Because I, they will never be Rachel Notley's NDP as well as Rachel Notley could lead them that way. You know what? Can we... So that is very important. Let's work together on this. I like I like that both of you brought this up. Let's, let's get specific on what I will call the swim lanes available. To candidates is is if, sure. if you know what I'm trying to say, and and because yeah, I, I know exactly what you're trying to which say, which is like Puritan, like federal NDP copy paste. That's one swim lane, right? Like that's where we need to go to, right? Like everything that that we've done to moderate ourselves or bring ourselves to the center under Notley's leadership. There's that. Uh, help me define the swim lanes. I'm, I'm just giving you one example, right? There's going to be. Uh, can we work together to kind of define these lanes available? Because I think sure. to to Corey's point, we might be oversimplifying and conflating a few of them as well. And I think one of the conflations I saw in this article, which by the way is a great article, is that Hoffman is like the back to old school NDP, but also Rachel Notley's pick. I think those are two separate things that you know that that the the Notley legacy can live on around many candidates. Oh, I, I could argue, one could argue. So, Carter, I'm kind of curious if you, if you have a sense of what these distinct swim lanes are, at least ideologically, for the NDP that are available to, to particular... You wouldn't even have to assign candidates to each, but let's start here. And then I, I promise I will get to these specific individuals. We, well, and I like that we're doing this without assigning it to the individual. That's super important because the individual doesn't know what their campaign looks like yet. There is no campaign from Kathleen or, or uh, Sarah or from Rocky yet. Mm. Um, 
they're they're still deciding on their own swim lanes. They're they're talking to people and trying to figure it out. So first thing I would go with is a very simple binary choice. We are going to be the Alberta's, you know, Alberta's we're going to continue to represent the NDP, right? We are the new Democratic Party that that is the old NDP, is what I'm going to call it, just for ease of use. And then I think that the other swim lane is the new NDP. Right. Like the new, 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 new Democrat Party, um, because the new, new would be um, a redefinition in some fashion of what the party actually looks like, what how it appeals to people, uh, what it is that we say in some sort of division. So we're not that anymore. We're this. And I think that that would be the first question. And then what does this look like is kind of the next level down. OK, so even if you're the old NDP. How are you defining yourself? Um, I would assume you don't want to necessarily define yourself as the carbon tax NDP. I would probably suggest if you're going to be the old NDP, you should probably kind of look back to some of the Pam Barrett days or some of the uh, yeah, Raj Panu days. Uh, Carter, right? Carter, help me divide between, just so we're clear, and we're actually helping yeah. the, the division here. Old to me is like classic NDP, right? Like something right. like the copy paste of the federal side. You've got the current no, no. and or no, so, so yeah. Get, well, I don't even. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no. Okay, let's, well, yeah, no, no. This gets weird yeah. in a hurry. No, right. I'm, this is a point. This is <laughs> two hours. This is about right. a new Democratic Party. Like <laughs> Rachel Notley, Rachel Notley, in part because I think she was, you know, the daughter of of the previous Grant, you know, Grant Not or Grant Notley, yeah. Yeah, I'm yes, doing it great. Um, did never never really mentioned him uh, to my recollection, and maybe I'm just misremembering. But you are for sure. But no, keep going. I'm not really not on the campaign trails. We never had a sense of, you know, the Lougheed days, um, the the sense of where the party and her father was taking the party. Um, you could go back to that. You could go back to. Uh, Pam Barrett's barnstorming days uh, of lying in the um, dentist chair and, and seeing visions. You could go, you know, there's a lot of different places. You remember that, Corey's covering his I, eyes. I do, and I'm cringed. Yeah, okay. You know, but there's there's yeah. lots of new democratic principles that this particular iteration of the new Democrats uh, under Rachel Notley kind of walked away from. Um you know, because she was going for a bigger slice of the pie. And, oh, and there could be a really okay. solid argument being made that that she didn't take the piece of the pie. Okay, okay, okay. This is really this, there. That's about the past. Like, this, okay, come on. This is, no, this no, is no, about no, defining. No. I wanna, I'm saying. Corey, add more. This is add, defining a fucking okay, future. Okay, I, I got a. I'm, okay, just re, I, I'm, di I'm pushing back on you. I got, I got a couple things. I got, I got old and new. Corey, please add more yeah. definition. I feel like that was three minutes. <laughs> okay. Carter ultimately. No, I mean, no, no. I, I want to talk a little bit about this in the context of, like, that's quite a caricature that you've just no, presented that absolutely caricature. nobody is going to run on. Can, can we give it the most, like, charitable, honest, most likely to see read? Sure. Here's one for you. The NDP were most successful when they were the most like themselves. Rachel right. Notley was a great leader, but when the NDP were most like themselves in 2015, That's when the, exactly when what the I platform said. wasn't muddied by these ideas of, we're going to try to win the Senate, mm. we just tried to do what was right in 2015, and we were following our conscience in 2015, and that's how we got How government. is that different you know than why what we I lost said. government? 
We lost government when we played footsie with big oil. We lost government when we lost the way and we stopped caring about, you know, everyday Albertans. And we've got to get back there. No, you're talking about Pam Barrett and the gas. I'm talking about 2015 Rachel Notley's victory, right? Like, come on. Like, let's do the service of not doing caricatures of these particular swim lanes here, right? Like, I think that's a reality. No, but I was just simply saying there is an old New Democratic Party that has available to it the old solid brand. And I don't think it needs to be associated with the the federal NDP. It is the the new democratic mm. ideals of the I, past. And you grab those and you jump on those and you say that's what's going to make us successful. But to Cor- the to other point, way is to say point, we're going to do the forward-looking new new democratic party. Something that is that is okay, bigger I, I, and I, broader. I want more definition. I, I want more definition. This. I like what Corey's put on the table, Carter. No, no offense to you. What do you mean? I, I said I, the I, same <laughs> fucking thing. No, you did not. Uh, if you listen back to it, the words were weird. There was dentist talk. No, it's exactly it was very the strange thing. Everybody understood. <laughs> no, uh, the dentist on, thing a, I for sure understood. Is this a, is this a Patreon sure episode? Yes. This is not a Patreon it's episode, not. Carter. No, no one understood no. that. Um, okay. Which, by the way, um, <laughs> 8 p.m. December 17th. Make sure you tell Dave. Tell Dave.ca. Corey. I like 2015 yeah. NDP. That's one, like, going back to the success of 2015, okay. let's add that as lane one. That's okay. What else not, do you want? And can I say, like, that's actually not my personal view of Understood. the situation. But I could see someone... But but that's, like, let's be clear that they're not going to sit there and be like, well, we were the shitty small version, we got to go back to the shitty small version. Like, right, that's not right. the like packaging the, anybody is going to use. Um, unless they're in it for, like, purity, right? They, they could be like, you know wherever no no wherever it leads us we need to go back to core principles but to your point there is a model of core principles available that also was viable and successful 2015 ndp well i would argue that is not what 2015 was but people will argue that is and i know when you said that there's an argument on either side when you kind of introduced it you kind of added that that editorial comment i understood that wasn't from you but you were making the case for it swim lane one i like that what other lanes are we adding? Carter's got new at the end, but I want to add more definition to what even new looks like. Swim lane two. We're at our most successful when we're at our most inclusive. And that means being where Albertans are and listening to them and engaging with them and talking to them and caring about their issues and not getting so lost in the ideological purity of the past. Like the job of the new Democrats is to make life better for people. And we do that by meeting them where they are. So you want to win elections, you got to be where the voters are. You fish where the fish are. Oh, so And that requires us... That require yeah. Listen, I asked him to add more definition. What is this? Like the Olympics with two swimmers? He said this wasn't what it was, but it is in fact. Okay, Carter, have you ever been to a pool? There's more than two lanes. He's just taking it. He's just taking it one level below where Carter goes. I don't know what. I'm happy. That's what he asked me to do. Normal swimmer. No, I'm happy. I'm asking. No, no, no. I said I was happy. Jesus Christ, Carter. Okay, I'm happy too. Fuck you all. I've got a headache. <laughs> okay, Corey. I, I, okay, I, I, uh, okay. 2015 inclusive Big Ten. Can I call it Big Ten NDP? Yeah. Okay. Can I, can I suggest, I'm going to throw it out there and you're going to say that's great and you're going to go back to your swim lane thing. Let's talk about a couple of different ways things can wedge here, maybe as a start. Sure. I'll call it old and new. Think there's it makes a plan here. Old and new. Yeah. new sounds good. Old and new. Good. Left and right. Right. Insider, outsider, I don't know. Yeah. You know, there's, but like, I think that there are some other ways this thing splits down. Experience, inexperience, experience, not inexperience, but like kind of novelty yeah. would be another one. Yeah. Um, you can, there's, there's many, like, I mean, from a leadership, I get spend, that. Spend, you know, um, spendy or non-spendy. Uh, 
you know, there's a case to be made that when the NDP shows fiscal restraint, the NDP doesn't do quite as well. Um, and fiscal restraint, we know that fiscal restraint is not necessarily rewarded in the way that people say they, they, they value it uh, in a poll versus the way that it actually is valued in politics. You know, people want better health care systems. They want better education systems. Uh, and they really don't care what the price is. Um, like the, 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 the giant surpluses that you couldn't even answer the proper number on, Zane, um, don't actually win many votes. Corey, let's, I agree with you. The wedges, I think they're fascinating. And there's several more that we haven't considered. No, no, no. This is, this is at some point I have to take over the show or else we end up with old man yelling at clouds with a two person swim meet. Um, Carter, (laughs) we've got two lanes. Corey, do you have a few more for me? Because I do want to get into the, how we kind of subdivide new a bit more too. And I understand ideology isn't like the point you're trying to make ideology isn't the only sort of track. I get, I fair enough. Well, and so. Another swim lane, it, you put it out there, Zane, is the idea of being kind of like the continuation candidate. You liked what you got with Rachel Notley? I'll do more of the same, mm. right? So I, I Old. Well, that's separate, right? Oh, that's no. current. That's saying the current, continuation Carter. I of think the, that's different. Yeah, because a lot of people who would like in that quote-unquote old you presented would say Rachel Notley's not even old. Like the last two elections were Rachel Notley running a different playbook. Then 2015. But there's yeah. this continuity candidate that somebody is going to maybe try to seize for themselves and say, I am the Notley legacy, right? I'm the person who's going to go forward. Another one would be almost that, like, I'll call it a blue new Democrat. Somebody, Mm -hmm. and I actually think this one goes pretty well with another combination of insider and outsider, right? You have an outsider who says, you know, the NDP have a lot of great pieces and those great pieces are represented by the field, but they, they don't have the piece they need, which is kind of this idea that they can navigate downtown, uh, you know, Calgary business just as easily as they can navigate the union halls. And both are important, but right now the NDP doesn't have the bench strength Mm. on, on the business side, you know, on the economic side, on the fiscal side. And so I could easily see an outsider candidate trying to come in and saying like, this is important. This is what the party needs to consider itself. Can I can I ask a question? Because this is a dis- decent definition. You got the 2015, you got the inclusivity, Big Tent, the con- continuity of what you got, right? We were so close. We need to stick with the plan, stick with the ideology, keep pushing, yep. right? You know, the ground game, we, we, we rectify a few of our weaknesses. Now's not the time to change our strategy. You got the blue new Democrat. Carter? Corey? Corey, you've got one more? And- one more. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to... I think it's an important one. I, I'm, I might be even be leading you here. Go ahead. The apostate, the somebody who's on the inside and says, I would undo all of these things that we did. You know, I was there. I was part of the team. I supported us generally. But I think we were wrong on these four big issues. Why is and that, that's why where is maybe, that swim lane important? I get why it's important. Why is it important to have the insider say that? Do they have credibility to actually say that? Either of you can yeah. jump on, on this. Yeah, it's like the old joke of like... Um, you know, if you're drinking with your friend Bob and your friend Bob says there's no God, you say, well, Bob's drunk. Bob's been drinking. You're drinking with the Pope and the Pope says there's no God. You say, holy shit, maybe there's no God, right? And and if you're talking about an insider who was there and has every reason to kind of support what happened and, you know, it's their record too, stand up and say it, it's a way for people to snap necks. And when we talk about one of the things that the NDP need to do down the road is kind of define themselves differently from where they were in the past. Holy cow, is that a powerful way to do that? Interesting. Right? Like if you're worried that you are just going to be painted as the continuation of Rachel Notley and you know for the electorate you need to be known as something different, 
being the app estate in a leadership contest is a pretty quick way to get yourself there. Hey, hey Carter, as you talked about old and new, which, by the way, you know, I make fun of you. I think yeah. it is, is a helpful start to our framework. How new is new? Like, how new can you go within the confines of a leadership price? And here's what I mean. We have this group, the Alberta's Progressive Future. Yeah. I apologize if I'm bringing this up. The name change. Is the name change we got to fundamentally rebrand? Is that like a swim lane one can run in in a leadership? Like, can, no. when, you, when you look at all the way lane one, lane eight, can you go all the way to lane eight and be like, we need that person in the race? Is that a, a That's viable? like at a different swim match. No, no, no. That's the question. Well, that, that's actually, I'm actually fundamentally asking that. Someone could run in that or swim in that lane. Uh, um, they could say, this is where we're going to go and this is how I'm going to campaign for it. Um, but I think that they would lose because as we've covered in the podcast ad nauseum, that's actually not how you rebrand a party. Mm-hmm, it, it's, mm-hmm. A brand is bigger than a name and the name, just changing it to, you know, um, the Corey Hogan party, which of course I'm for. Uh, me too. Wouldn't makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense to me, Corey. It's a winning I, I, brand. I think it's a great party name. Um, but it just doesn't make it doesn't make anything happen, right? It, it's not the the catalyst that fundamentally you know changes the the election math. So you know you 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 could see someone running on that path, uh, but you'd be far better off to be running on something like uh, we need to be a more active party. Right. Like the reason that we lost in 2015 wasn't because of the oil situation. It's because we let the oil situation be the only defining aspect of our government. Had we done uh, all the things that we, you know, we have we want, like create Canada's best health care system, create Canada's best education system. Uh, had we done those things, we would have we would have won that election with Jim Prentice because the questions wouldn't have been, you know, uh, who's best to whether the economic storm, the questions would have been who's best to protect um, the new democratic systems that we've brought in. Uh, just a reminder to everyone, uh, Corey, yeah, I know we want to jump in here, but this is uh, an episode brought to us by Flair Airlines. Uh, we also make nothing happen. Corey, um, you wanted to jump in here with, uh, with your final take. Uh, and maybe at the 50 minute mark, we'll get to the three candidates that are listed. No, you know, there's also this question of being the competent candidate, right? Like the the one who's just like really, really good at things here. It's funny when I think back on, and people are going to do this. They're going to say, why did we lose in 2023? We just need that component. So let's get it, right? And when I think, why did we lose in 2019? We just need that component. Let's get it. That's where people are going to start, right? Hmm. Uh, when they start crafting these brands. And when you, and sorry, when you say people, you, you mean these careful. candidates in these campaigns, just so you're clear, or do you I mean, mean as much as anything, the next ring out, the people mm. who are looking for a candidate and trying to determine what they need in order to be successful next time, right? So think about party elected executive and past candidates who are still quite involved in the party, stuff of that nature. It's it's so natural to try to fight the last battle. We've already talked about this. I don't need to dwell on it. But there, people are going to look and say, in 2023, all we missed was blank. Let's go find blank. And they're going to argue about what blank is, right? Some will say Calgary. Some will say business. Some will say purity of vision, you mm-hmm, know, like mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. idea that we weren't ideologically like direct on this. Some will say we weren't mean enough or vicious enough. We need a real attack dog. But they're going to define those and they're going to think about these things in terms of their most recent examples. 
I, let's talk, yeah. let's let's talk about let's talk about these three candidates because I want to talk about them and then Can I, I add one more thing before yeah, you do. add one more thing. Let's talk about the three candidates and then I've got a, a series I of like add one more thing like future oriented questions I, I want to ask you and get your super important thing based on my experience with uh, Gondek or, or not Gondek uh, uh, Martha Hall Finley and Allison Redford. Um, the idea is legitimacy. This is a legitimate campaign. This is a, a competent, you know, so Corey has talked about competence. I'm adding in, we have legitimate capacity. Oh, fuck. Okay, um, so I you, wanted to go you, this at the end, but let's just do this right now. Oh, okay. Talk, talk to me about the campaigns then. What, uh, this is agnostic of candidate. What do the campaigns need to look like around competency? Do they need to have people that are known to the party? Do they need to have, do they need to be public at this point? Uh, how do you create a legitimate campaign? Because I think Corey and I both smiled when you said Martha Hall Finley, because we both know how that campaign ended. Not well. Yeah, we weren't competent. Bo- we both of you a legitimate left. campaign. It was there. <laughs> that, that is yeah. how it ended. But, but you'll fair, also remember Greg fair. Clark's campaign, right? Where we created a, a really competent group of people. And that became one of the defining elements of the campaign. Now, we still lost. Um, but, you know, one of the hallmarks of the campaign was look at this competent group of people that are around him and this means that he must be legitimate even though this isn't even really a party so you can see like that's if you were if you were running um so if you're not listed in this right if you're the next guy uh or the next person i should say because it looks like it's going to be mostly women um running which i think is great uh if you're the next person running you're going to have to show that you're really legitimate on day one, by having real organizers. But keep in mind, Zane, you asked, do you need to be public now? This isn't day one. You need to organize and get ready so that day one, when it happens in March or April, you're ready for that. But you don't want you to be legitimate today. Because if you're legitimate today, you may not be legitimate in March or April. Corey, Corey, let me ask you this question around uh, campaign legitimacy. You know, one of my longstanding dreams, and I've, I've talked about this publicly, is that there are so many talented folks that the three of us know in particular, but like the friends that we have also know, and they are part of that group. Um, like there is a abundance of uniquely talented, interesting people that that can fill a variety of functions. And my thought has always been, why does no campaign just go out and grab all of them like you know if they're available (laughs) why don't you just like literally create the all-star team both sides east west international usa do it all put everyone in the same tent why the fuck is this not possible should is that a sign of success and i'm I'm almost like deviating us from the topic i know carter's got takes on this and carter and i are obsessed about about this topic and and and, uh, carter carter wants to talk about he he is pointing at himself in a way that what uh, do you think carter only to be described as is there there too much ego or do you end up being the lakers with carl malone and gary payton so that that, (laughs) we've seen this actual campaign we saw this campaign when gary marr ran for the pc leadership we saw this campaign when jim dinning ran for the for the leader um, I'm mentioning those two because they're they lost, um, even though they didn't have. I like, think the dynamic- they had paralysis 
They had paralysis of, of analysis where everybody sat around the stra- strategy table saying, oh, we should go get the, the LGBTQ vote. Uh, but at that time, it was the gay vote, right? Like, like it was, it was, it was. Thanks, thanks rid- for that color, Stephen. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I got a telephone hey, call. Do you want to just talk about the what week- other groups were called back then? We could also do deep I got a telephone call from the Dinning campaign no, saying don't, to me, don't. can you get the gay vote? And I'm like, that's not the fucking way that votes work, you idiots. But here we are. Here we are. And you know why? Okay. They lost because they they had too many pointy heads around a table, too many I, all-stars. I, I'm just trying to lean into your, your statement about legitimacy. One of the reasons you're... Ca- yeah, but you can't yeah. have them all. Uh, you can't have them all. Oh There's God. always a hungry youngster who comes out of nowhere named Stephen Carter. No, named something else who just turns it on its head. I always. always named Stephen uh, Carter. Corey, the, the real question here is around what le- legitimacy looks like, right? To get the heart of Carter's question, yeah. which is where, how do you show strength as a campaign? Can you show too much? Can you collect too many people without any roles for them? Talk to me about your philosophy around this, around what legitimacy and strength looks like. More so than just indulging me, just go with your philosophy, what, you, what, you, what it is for you. Yeah, so my personal view is that what campaigns need more than names because actually I think what's a little different between what you were talking about, what Steven was talking about, if I could try to reconcile these is Steven was talking about all of the names being snatched up by a campaign. And Zane, you were talking about all of the people that you know, that are just the best at these particular areas. And they're not necessarily the campaign name, but I think in either case, it's not what's most important on a campaign. What's most important on a campaign is a shared sense of mission you know, where you will live and die and fight with each other against the other ones. And, uh, you know, a campaign, that's where the people who are like the junior who came out of nowhere, who just like, you know, is up until 2 a.m. and has created a brand new database for the campaign or something. That's where that stuff comes from. It doesn't come from like the complex bureaucracies. And one of the challenges of having too many. For those wondering at home, Corey just kind of referenced himself. Oh, it was always me. Yeah, yeah. that was database that was Corey who uh, did overwrought that. and <laughs> unnecessary. The Corey Hogan story. Yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah. Uh, back to you, Corey. Sorry, Corey. I, but Corey I'm serious. Like, necessity is the mother of invention, and if you have experts in every single one of your org chart boxes, you're actually not going to be that innovative. You're going to have interesting. kind of very traditional approaches to campaigning. But but the question yeah. therein that that I find interesting, Corey, is that like at this junction. When none of these candidates, outside of some media commentary and maybe thinking about it, they haven't broadcasted to people what the swim lanes that that we not even just we've identified, but even the cross sections that we've talked about, old, new, left, right, all that sort of stuff. They haven't really. Sure. Isn't that let loyalty and shared mission just to the person at this point, Corey? So let me ask you this. Mm. When you think back on the most recent leadership campaign in Alberta, which campaign do you think had the best organizers? Probably the Taves campaign, I'd imagine. Yeah, probably the most competent, the most skilled. Mm. Which one do you think had the clearest sense of mission? Yeah, yeah, great point. Great point. Yeah, I would disagree yeah. with, I mean, I think that actually Daniel Smith had the best organizers. We knew that that uh, Take Back Alberta was the stronger organization. Well, listen, they obviously had the organizers with the best outcome. I would. I kind of meant in quotes, or best uh, that's organizers. That's how I took yeah, it. Yeah, they had the, ones they had who the were, party insiders. Yeah. This I've is never been I'm a saying, big fan right? of party insiders. But the point would be, you you can get a lot farther with no-name brand organizers who are really dedicated to a cause, 
and everybody's on that same page than you can with the group that Stephen has described. 20 people who are all like former campaign chairs. And yeah, in 2001, they ran that for. Yeah, yeah. They've got all the credentials. And, and that's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I like that you reconciled our point. And I think there's such a fascinating conversation we should have at some point around when a campaign says no to certain talent who wants to be slotted at certain Never. at certain place no but who wants to be slotted at certain places in the campaign hierarchy because ultimately what we're talking about here is that like you may take the smart young dedicated mission centric person versus the one being like I've worked on 12 NDP campaigns across wherever I've worked on 12 PC camp right we all know this person Right, they're the yeah, institutional not- memory. They've got half. It's actually you now, Zane. yeah, yeah. You're and the in guy. Some ways, well, yeah, <laughs> to, to, you to, and Brian Top going across the country, racking up the L's. That's that's what I do for campaigns, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> barely, barely win them uh, when I'm supposed to win them by large numbers, uh, and then rack up the L's when I can. Um, but there is something. Why'd you lose, Zane? Oh man, it's, it's such a complicated story um, that we will not be getting into, Carter. When a campaign says no is is an interesting topic, but we talked about campaign credibility. There's another thing that I want to talk about around right now um, because I've I've pushed the fact that uh, we'll talk about these candidates. Uh, it's an hour, so we'll maybe do it after this. Um, be, yeah, no, I, this is this is an all timer, isn't it? No, yeah, this might, this might be an all timer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if there was a bit, you guys know this is. A- Go ahead. This is our hundredth episode of the year. Oh, we wanted we to should, mark that we should, at the yeah. hour mark, but we haven't. We were a little early. Uh, <laughs> this is this is exciting. We should do something to celebrate that. Maybe we will. Okay. Um, yeah, Carter. Beyond the people, beyond the yeah. individual campaigns, how would you organize right now? And would you organize? So, like, so I, I, I derailed you around my my indulgence of like, let's rack up all the good people. Would you be racking up any people right now? Would you be relatively quiet? Are you oh, after yeah. the money? Are you after the people? Are you after is it time? Is it talent? Is it conviction? What like what are you racking up? Right, like when you're meeting folks and when you're out there, are you racking up your caucus colleagues? Is that your core? Like, what buckets are you like at the end of every week? Being like, I put a couple of things in this bucket. I put a couple. What are these buckets? Help bucket me. Help- number w- yeah, yeah. Bucket number one is going to be uh, MLA endorsements or MLA support. Um, may not even be endorsements. I'm not a big fan of endorsements personally. I think I would much rather have. MLAs that say that they're going to actually organize rather than just simply put their name on a piece of paper. Uh, and very few of them actually organize when you look at uh, the performance of, um, uh, you know, uh, endorse, you know, MLAs that endorse, they tend not to perform particularly well. But you you're certainly want them. So you're, you're going to have a list of that. Then you're going to have a list of key organizers, right? So who do we actually need to organize for us? Um, you know, and an organizer is very different than lots of other different types of campaigning, right? Like this is the person who, you know, do we have someone who can talk to this community? Do we have someone who can speak to that community? Um, who, where are our holes? Who do we need to find? Uh, and, and you're bringing them in. Uh, who do we've got that, that, that actually can manage the data side? Who have we got that, that can manage the, uh, the public relations? Who's going to write the strategy? Can we write the strategy now so that even the actions that we're taking today aren't off strategy, even though our campaign's not going to start until, you know, six months from now or four months from now or whenever it does uh, finally take off. Those are the types of people that I'd be adding. And then, you know, keep in mind, leaderships are about one thing, um, selling memberships, getting them to vote. Like it is not a, you know, it's not a media air war where we have to have our name mentioned X number of times. I mean, that may help, 
But that's not actually how you win a leadership. You win a leadership simply by selling memberships. So you've got to bring in as many people as possible, as committed as possible to actually selling memberships. Uh, Corey, walk, walk me through your thinking right now, your philosophy around how you'd be organizing right now, the buckets that you might have in terms of what you're trying to do, how you're trying to do it. Yeah, the Canadian Army is set up. People make fun of it a lot because we have so many generals. There was this joke in the 90s we heard all this time. We had more generals than tanks, right? Mm. Well, that's because it's harder to train a general than it is to buy a tank at the end of the day. And the Canadian Army is designed to rapidly expand in times of crisis, or at least historically, that's been the entire purpose of the way the whole army is set up, why it's kind of got overinflated ranks and all of that, because you want to be able to move fast when you got to move. So... You're trying to find your generals, and your generals doesn't necessarily even just mean people. I mean it kind of metaphorically. Like, what are the things that you can start working on now that take a long time to get that you don't want to start working on the first day of the campaign? So that's things like lists. That is things like key organizers. That's things like campaign collateral. That is for sure the strategy that Stephen's talking about, and that should precede basically all of that because it will dictate the things that you need to get to be successful in your kind of theory of the campaign, as Stephen often puts it. And I really like the way Stephen puts it. Mm. Theory of the campaign is a useful way to think about these things. Um, But yeah, like ultimately, also, you do need to realize that these are means to an end. And you can talk about kind of a bigger, more moral end of, you know, we want to fix Alberta, we want to have the best opposition. But the, the end for this contest is memberships, is votes. Air war is a means to an end. Media is a means to an end. Likes on your fucking fake Facebook post? means to an end. Yeah. They don't mean anything if they're not selling memberships. So what are you doing to create the infrastructure that allows you to sell those memberships at volume, at scale? Yeah, and I think I think a good, I mean, one of the best leadership campaign sort of case studies that we have seen is the Pierre Polyev, right? We were always talking about, well, the rallies re- lead to memberships. They fucking did, right? Like they were, they really led to a crushing in, in some real way. And they created an infrastructure there that I think... But it was also brand positioning. Like it wasn't I just the... Yeah, I, 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 it was a perfect alignment of strategy yeah. and action. Yes, right? no, I, I, I agree completely. From a pure political practitioner perspective, I think that was a, a, a case, like, like I said, a case study that that that, that folks should study, uh, even on 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 some of the more cynical things around, like just outright data collection, and then trying to convert that. Do you know? Yeah, go ahead. Actually, I want to actually that's a perfect thing to kind of cast people's eyes back to at this point. You will recall. You will both recall. Mm. He didn't even have a fucking website. He He had a list of links where you could kind of access other social media, make a donation, all of that. Because what he determined was, these are the things that sell memberships. You know, not some billboard I spend a bunch of time and money on that I put up. Uh, You know, and I'm sure they eventually got there. But for the major membership driving parts of the campaigns, his focus was was on the things that actually drove brand and and membership. Corey, it was a it was a poorly it was not the quality of video we see from Pierre today. It was a poorly lit boardroom video announcement where the left side of his face wasn't even like lit. Uh, They were just figuring their shit out. Right. And it was a Google form. Like that, it was. Yeah, that's, that's what they right. launched their campaign. Like I, I'm, I'm like ninety five. Google form, by the way, ninety five percent. That's how Dave Cornway is collecting the votes. Uh, you know, for best political play. So before eight p.m. on Sunday, December seventeenth, make sure you go and you vote for the strategist winning best political play. Great uh, plug, twenty three. Yeah. Great plug, Corey. Well, well timed, well timed. Um, yeah. 
Carter, let's talk about the three candidates. Let's do it through the frame of opportunity okay. and risk. Uh, and then I want to close out uh, on rules. So we might be here for sure. an all-timer, Corey. We might yeah, be here for an all-timer. Um, <laughs> let's start with Rocky Pancholi. Opportunity, risk, Corey, I'll ask you the same. Uh, and then at the end, I actually want to ask you so you guys can have a bit of a preview around how you would frame each of the three f- front runners. I put that in quotes. Those that are named, how would you frame their candidacy? Opportunity for Rocky's, opportunity for, for Rocky's campaign, risks for her campaign. Carter, you start. Corey, you jump in. I think that Rocky's a really interesting candidate because she's seen to be an Edmontonian, like an Edmonton can, candidate, but she did a tremendous amount of work down in Calgary. And when you talk to people in Calgary about who they actually met with uh, from the NDP caucus prior to the 2021 or 2023 election, it was this year, right? Yeah, it was this year. Prior to that 2023 election, um, so many people will mention Rocky. I mean, she, she was carrying a tremendous load on the Calgary burden. And she carried it very, very well. I think that her opportunity is to be, sure, a candidate that's from Edmonton, that can hold the seats in Edmonton. But her real opportunity is to to win seats in Calgary by being a fresh new face that wasn't part of the older establishment, you know, the older government. And that gives her the opportunity to criticize and to take different positions than what Rachel Notley did and to take bolder positions. Um you know, bold will be in the eye of the beholder, but I think that she she should be a candidate that defines herself uh, using a bold color scheme, using bold ideas, mm. using bold um, structures. She will be memorable. She is an excellent public speaker. Uh, I think that all of those things could be worked to her advantage. And uh, I think the success overarchingly will depend on her her boldness as she she runs through the campaign. Carter, we're, we're here's what we're doing. We're doing opportunities. We're doing risks. Oh, for all of them? Uh, yeah, for, for all risks, of them. Sir. And then we're going to do like a, I'm going to get you guys to work together to kind of give me, spit out your like pitch for each. So like you, you, the, the this concept of swim lanes that we discussed, it could be one of those yeah. swim lanes. It could be, you know, left, right. It could be old, young. It could be, you know, flashy campaign, not so flashy campaign. But Corey, Carter's put out opportunities, add to opportunities, get me started with risk, and then let's mold it into the pitch for each of these candidates. Candidates. Let's leave on that particular note with each of them. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I think she's really fucking talented and really affable. She also has an opportunity in that she wasn't part of the NDP government. That's also a risk, right? She wasn't there for the 2015 to 2019 time. But potentially, it's a good way to frame things uh, going forward there. Um, and I'm going to sound something that might sound shittier than I mean it to. The other opportunity for her is she clearly could have a better job than this particular job, right? And that's not always true of a lot of the other candidates that are there. So I think that affords herself some opportunities on kind of the economic, what I will loosely call, for lack of any other phrasing, like kind of economic New Democrat, blue New Democrat uh, is available here. Her big risks are two, in my opinion. You know, there's like two and a half if you want to count the fact that she worked for Lori Blake, but against her. I, I don't. And I think you can kind of work around that, frankly. Listen, God, I was the executive director of the Alberta Liberal Party. I have a lot of sympathy for, you know, how opposition was organized. Boy, that's at that some time. baggage, hey? That's like impossible baggage. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, if it becomes a we need a non-Edmontonian candidate or we need a Calgary candidate, that's a risk for her, mm. right? If that becomes how simple the conversation is. I also think the risk for her is that she gets lost and she loses 
in a get along club election where everybody is just sort of talking about how great each other are and how we all love each other and we all believe the same things. Because it, at that point, then all of a sudden you start saying, well, who's got the experience? Is it Sarah? Not only does she have 15 to present with the NDP, not only was she deputy premier, but she was on the school board, right? Mm-hmm. Well, was it Kathleen? Kathleen was justice minister. She was there 2015 to 2019. Maybe it's her turn if you want to do that. And a combination turn of these is risks, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Right? Become, become a problem. So I think in a funny way, she needs the election to be a little bit chippier because A, that allows her to show how talented she is, right? Yeah. She can really kind of put the screws to some people. B, it allows her to define a difference that I think would be useful both with an electorate, you know, locally and more generally. But C, it avoids the get along club problem because if everybody agrees and if it's just everybody loves each other, then it becomes who's next. And she is not the natural who's next. And we've seen robust political parties fall into that trap as well. This is not just a slight on the NDP as like a more progressive leftist institution, like that the super best friends club ends up being like a who's next in line, (laughs) right? Hillary Clinton, et cetera. We've seen this with the Democrats in the States, like the highest political orders that we've seen. Really interesting thoughts. Carter, do you want to add anything else to risk that that Rocky may may find? And then let's mold a pitch for her in terms of how she should present herself to to uh, as part of this 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 leadership race i think that she might may be dismissed um you know and this is totally unfair but people people are, are relatively shallow um they she could be very easily dismissed as you know kind of just another pretty face and i think that that would be rather uh, first of all very shallow of people she's got a depth that is is really easy to see and, and if and if people open their ears. Um, but she could walk into certain problems and, and her legitimacy discussion of her, uh, you know, the way to avoid it, A, is to make it chippy and B, to make sure that she's always got a position. She knows exactly what she's talking about. And to her credit, to this point, she has been that type of a person. Cor- yeah, well, and like like me, she like the liberal thing. Like me, she also suffers from being in her forties and looking like she's in her twenties. Right? It's so much like you. Like I actually think of you every time I think of Rocky. Likewise, Pastor. I'm like, oh my god, is that is that Corey? are they the same person? <laughs> oh, oh my no. god, it is Corey. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever no. seen us in the same room? I'm Never like, have. Actually. Five foot five. They're exactly the same. It's just the same person. Oh my goodness. On the other hand, come on now. She's super <laughs> nice to me. I stuck and you're a kind nerve. of a prick. Stuck so a nerve. there you go. Well, okay. Put put a pitch together for me. That's true. That we, is a good. We, we have these swim lanes. 2015 inclusive continuity. Blue. Yeah. The blue new Democrat. Uh, the insider to undo all the changes. We also got all the other, Corey, you call them wedges, but I would kind of call them other intersections that you can choose. Start defining the Rocky Pancholi pitch for me. Put it together for me. Uh, wh- wh- what are we picking? What are we leaving behind? Um, work t- let's work together and do- let's yes and this a bit. Uh, these, these are always so tough because... And I, you I'm asking you to do this in the hypothetical to... of a hypothetical, but yes. For sure. And and you're always kind of working with like the pieces that you yourself have put on the table. The instinct is to immediately jump to taglines. You've got to kind of fight through that, but I'm not going to right now. I'm going to say in many ways, it's kind of this notion of fulfilling the promise here. The NDP has changed. This is the natural next step on that change. And also implicit in that is like... We want to get back to government, and we're just missing a couple of pieces here. So I think her argument becomes more she brings the pieces the others don't bring, which again goes to the idea of kind of creating some separation or difference or distinction. Carter, it's so incomplete, though. Carter, you got thoughts? No, I think that it's about being different. 
And I think that that difference is going to be put in through boldness. Um, so how different and how bold can can she be? Because to me, that's the entire uh, opportunity that exists for, for, for Raki. She needs to be bold because that will get her attention in Calgary. Okay, Corey, so Carter says bold. You, you kind of said how tough this is. More left, more right, coattails of Notley, continuation. Uh, like, where, which of these lanes is she hunting down? Add, add more texture to this, to this uh, pitch. Look, if you are of the three candidates, the least likely to be able to say continuity is the thing that you can bring. You're the candidate who's least likely to be able to say the experience is something they bring. Then, yeah, you've got to put some different ideas on the table there, and you, I, I or or you've just got to show that your game is way above theirs and make it about those kind of competency issues. But that, you know that is that is tough to do in a leadership contest. It's not as though a lot of people you're selling memberships to will have even seen you debate your candidates or anything like that. Right? Yeah. You need a story that you can tell that you can bundle that somebody in an elevator pitch could understand, okay, but why not Kathleen? Okay, but why not Sarah? And you have to say, you know, Racky would do this, Sarah would not. Kathleen would not. And, mm. and it's got to be something that's somewhat compelling to people here. And, um, and yeah, I think you do want to sort of explore that space around what I will call the quote-unquote center. It's this idea of, you know, you know, this is a woman who was a lawyer at the top of her game, who can could walk in those circles, has those connections, can also, by the way, and we haven't talked about ethnicity at this point yet, but is, is uh, you know, a racialized minority as opposed to the other two we've talked yeah. about and can help build the party within those communities, which we know is an area of growth for the NDP. And it's, it's where kind of the core and the heart and the future success of the NDP will come from. So, you got to look at how you're different and how your differences may support your story. It's it's an interesting point. We've we've talked about this in the past around like uh, I think we did a full episode on it around like how you sell depth through charisma as well. This X factor we talked about it through particular candidates where there is like an, an attractiveness to their candidacy. The, you can't necessarily explain it, but how do you package that up? How do you bottle it? How do you sell it? Carter, you talk about boldness. I think that's that's really interesting. Um, okay, let's uh, Corey jump on this and then uh, if you want to, and then I'm going to move to Kathleen Gann. The, the former justice minister, uh, the the MLA from Calgary. I just want to underline the importance of being different in a in a race, especially in the NDP, where everybody's going to want to try to be the same. I, I always think about campaign launches in this in the general sense, because the problem is when I start thinking about what specific individual, specific campaign launches look like. I often forget, unless they were a train wreck, right? Unless there was something yeah. really bad that occurred at them here. There's one I always remember is one I always remember, and it was Bernie Sanders announcing that he was running for president in mm. 2016, because he literally just walked out of a congressional office building, not even like the main yeah. Congress, and he stood on a patch of grass with a bunch of reporters, and he's like, I'm uh, running for president, and then he went back to work, and it was it was not what everybody else was doing, right? It was, it, and that you got to keep in mind, 2016 was a million campaign launches because the Republican field was huge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, everybody else is doing big, splashy. Sometimes you go small. Yeah. If everybody else is doing small, you go big, splashy. Be different. Carter, Kathleen Ganley, opportunities, risk, and and I'll go to Corey for that, and then we'll package up a pitch for her. Well, I think that you know, I think that she was very fortunate to kind of be listed in the same, you know. Uh, at the same level as Rocky and and Kath uh, and um, Sarah, because it's very easy to kind of 
overlook uh, Kathleen. She she doesn't have the same social media presence. She doesn't have the same kind of awareness from uh, the caucus and the media. She's she's an introvert. She's kind of someone who's exceptionally capable uh, at the policy level, but maybe not at the public level. And that gives her uh, a different challenge than, than, uh, than Rocky or, and, um, and Sarah. So I, I would think that if you were running her campaign, you'd want her to be seen as really, you know, like the, this was a great day being listed in the same day in the same level. But you, this whole conversation then needs to be about competence, right? Competence, competence, competence. You're going to be the heir apparent to Rachel Notley's competence, uh, while not necessarily being the heir apparent to Rachel Notley's policies. Uh, I think that she could take a whole bunch of different Calgary style entrepreneurial type of positions, you know, you know, the Calgary school of, of economics, the Calgary school of political science, right? Business matters. Having a job matters. Um, you could take those types of positions uh, and then just kind of slap onto it. The um, And I get it done because that's my whole thing. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm Kathleen Ganley. You may not remember my name, but you'll remember my actions because they're all about competence. Carter, are you suggesting leaning into that branding, that last line you said, in terms yeah. of lowering the bar and leaning? Okay, interesting. I, I will get to that in a second. Corey, add to opportunities, add to risk, Carter. I'll give you a fair shake at risks as well, and then we'll start putting yeah. the pitch together. Well, let me start with risks, right? <clears throat> she could for sure get stuck in the middle of that field of three uh, on a lot of the different ways that they're cut. So when you talk about experience, for example you're probably going to go with Sarah Hoffman if that's your determinant, right? If you're talking about kind of like outsider, you're probably going to go with Raggy if that's your determinant. And so you're kind of in the middle here. And the and the other challenge you have is she might in some ways come off, especially on paper, especially from a distance, as the most generic or the most like Rachel. I actually don't even mean generic. I mean the most like Rachel, right? Yeah. Like policy wonk, lawyer, you know, strong female. But, you know, that that we've seen that show and people might say, well, maybe we need a different show here. The other things I would say from a risk point of view is that of the three, and, and listen, the other two I, I think are just really S-tier retail politicians. You know, Sarah Hoffman will remember every detail about everybody in your life when you meet with her, no matter who you are to her in her life. She'll mm. be like, how's your dad? I ran into this person. You're doing that person, right? Phenomenal retail politician. Maybe even on that kind of interpersonal relationship thing, the best in the NDP, the best the NDP has to offer. We'll get to her mm-hmm, kind of opportunities mm-hmm. later, though. You know, that is not Kathleen. You know, I, I, that is just not her strong suit. And so she is kind of the policy wonk rather than the retail politician. Now, that policy depth is an opportunity. That competence is an opportunity. And obviously, the biggest opportunity she has... Calgary. Calgary. It's just... It's what so much of the conversations to date have rotated around. And people are thinking about Calgary and how they take that next step in in the biggest city in the province and what that could potentially mean for the NDP's chances in the next election. Carter, anything to add to risks? Or should we start packaging the pitch together? (sighs) I think that there's a risk that she could be perceived as boring. And um, I like Kathleen. I know we've run into her a whole bunch of times and uh, I love chatting with her. I think she's a really nice person, but she's an introvert and it's hard for her, I think, to, um, 
to gain attention and hold attention. It's not her natural state of being. So she's going to need to figure out how to get past that uh, impediment. Okay, let's put the pitch together. Carter, you want to start? Corey, you want to start? Who wants to Who wants to start putting it together? Corey. Yeah, I'll start with the obvious. If you're her, and if you're going to be seen as like Rachel to begin with, there is a bit of a, a, a draft you can take from that, like drafting behind, like yeah. a car kind of thing. You can go with ready for the job day one, right? I was the justice minister. I am competent Calgary lawyer. Get stuff done. You're not going to miss a beat. This is going to be exactly the NDP as you knew it before, except with a Calgary leader. And actually, you know what? That's a pretty fucking compelling framing, yeah. given that the NDP barely lost last election. The, 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 the whole election spun on 2,600 votes. Um, and if I was the leader... We would have had ten thousand extra. We would we would be the government right now, because Rachel Notley's ideas aren't the problem. Rachel Notley's inability to play in Calgary is the problem. So now we just need so to. I will jump in here and do do Calgary. Great, I think it's a really killer framing for her. I do think this is a perfect example of fighting the last battle, but I think that could work. The people you're selling memberships to, yeah, it'll work yeah. for them. Right? Like, yeah. is it a successful strategy for the next election? Absolutely not. I don't know, but I think it could be for this leadership. Yeah, that, and, that is interesting. And, and it's like almost a less is more. It's a less is more yeah, clarity yeah. of vision uh, to Corey's earlier point, right? It's not uh, adding all the other bells and whistles. And if you need me to be this, I can be that. And if we run into this jam, I've got these skills. And if you, it's, we're so close. I'm from Calgary. Let's not like, you know. It's the Calgary Rachel is your framing, yeah. frankly. Nice. I like this. I don't think we need to say more on this. Sarah Hoffman. Corey, I'm going to start with you on this. Uh, give me the start on opportunities uh, and risks for, for Sarah Hoffman. This is, of course, as we'd mentioned, the uh, deputy premier, current deputy leader from Edmonton, former school board chair. Um, if, you're, if you're assessing her, if you're helping her team right now, opportunities, risks, get me started. Yeah, I, I already talked about one of the opportunities being the retail politics. I really, I mean, just like, I, you know, she is one of these politicians I think is so funny because I believe, especially around like 2018, 2019, where she served a bit of a role as a, an attack dog, you know, going out and making the critiques of the UCP. There was probably no politician in the province. There was a bigger disconnect between who she was perceived as and who I actually felt she was because she came off as an asshole and she is literally the nicest person in the NDP caucus most of the time, right? Down to that human level that I'm talking about. Like, I mean, in like a true human level, I don't mean she's always going to agree with you politically or anything like that, but seems to truly legitimately care about people in a way that still should matter in politics there. So I want to say that. Um, I also think that she has an opportunity, though, that becomes a risk very quickly. And that is kind of experience with the use with the NDP, you know, with her past in the school board, all of that. A record is a blessing and a curse. When you are the right hand of Rachel Notley, it is a blessing and a curse. There are times Sarah Hoffman was listened to over literally the rest of the caucus you know, maybe literally is an exaggeration, no. but almost the rest of the caucus. It's not really. When you think of some of the And pieces. I will tell you this, I've heard about it from a lot of the members of that caucus. And there's kind of a bitterness about that. And there's some antipathy. Mm -hmm. And she has kind of been perceived by a lot of her peers as kind of the privileged special child within the NDP caucus. And even this uh, column by Markasov sort of hints at that and says, well, you know, it seems like Rachel might prefer somebody like Sarah. I don't know if that's true. I can tell you this, though. Everybody thinks it's true. 
And um, that's a problem. That's a problem for Sarah, especially if it becomes more about what do we need that's different? Mm. And what could we expect that's different if this, uh, if this election goes forward? Carter, opportunities, risk, add to what Corey's put on the table, and then we'll do the same. We'll put a pitch together. I think the the primary opportunity is that everybody's going to see her as the front runner. I think actually the 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 phrasing or the framing that was put forward by Microsoft uh, really didn't give Sarah credit enough uh, for her organizational chops and her hold on on the party as it currently oh, exists. Organization too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that if this was written by CBC Edmonton, it's going to have a totally different tone and tenor. Um, CBC Edmonton would be looking at, uh, Sarah Hoffman as the, as the, the favorite almost, um, not just the favorite of, of Rachel Notley, but the favorite in this race. She is, she's just a very strong organizer. She's exceptionally well known in the, in the city of Edmonton and more, far more so than, than Racky or Kathleen to this point. So her opportunity is just to be the front runner right? To be in charge, to be the person who's winning on day one. Um, I know that sometimes front runners get overtaken by the end. Uh, but I tell you, there's a lot of times you'd rather be a front runner than, than someone who's, you know, losing. So I, I think that that's, that's ultimately going to matter as this all unfolds. Carter, you want to you want to get started on her on her pitch, her candidacy pitch. If you were if you're helping, Can I just say before he does, like those, he's right about those connections, and this is about selling memberships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't discount it, but you know, those connections are a blessing and a curse. <laughs> it's like any bad action movie; those kinds of human connections are anchors. You know, they, it becomes a bit of a challenge for you to move out of any kind of orthodoxy when you are so deeply embedded in it and you're so connected to the organization as it exists. So, well, I think on net, it's probably a benefit to her. Like, let's not pretend there's not a downside. It's really tough to move against the establishment, even when you know you need to, if you are the establishment, if you are so deeply embedded into the establishment. Ah, good points for both of you. Carter, you want to get us started on on crafting the, the pitch for Sarah Hoffman to, to, to members? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the primary pitch goes something along the lines of, we don't need significant change. What we need is... Uh, to continue to build on what we've got. And building from where we were is uh, not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You know, if 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 these other kind of nouveau kind of New Democrats win, uh, we're going to be walking away from that which makes the New Democrats uh, the power that they are today in, in, uh, in Alberta. So, you know, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's double down on that which th- that is currently working. Um you know, Rachel Notley got us to here. Let's not throw that away, just hoping that someone's going to be able to get us further. Corey, you like what you hear from Carter? No, I, I, I mean, I don't, but I don't hold him against it against him. You know, as we were sitting here, I actually think Sarah's framing is the hardest to sort of understand what it would be here. Because when we look at her strengths, when we look at the opportunities that he and I kind of uh-huh. just talked about, yeah. we look at the risks. Yeah. It suggests a status quo candidate. It suggests a type of candidate whose messaging is so severely not compelling in a general election. I mean, I think that's the big problem here, right? Because you're going to get on. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I've always been there for you. You know, I'm. I'm Sarah. It's my turn. Yeah, almost. You know, that's. But that's. It, but that's not a weak piece. That's the hardest. Gary did that. It's not weak at all. But Gary Mar did I'll it. Tell you something. Almost won. You know, like 
it's really tough. It's really tough to make the pivot after that because there'll be senses of betrayal if you make some moves. And when we talk about that fundamental thing that they need, it's change, right? It's the ability to communicate the change. It's interesting what you've said, Corey, both of you said, because electability hasn't necessarily come up in any of the pitches so far. Well, right. we kind of well, did. It, it yeah. has implicitly. Yes, it has. But this is her. This is her problem because, you know, we talked about Kathleen saying Calgary Rachel. Right? Yes, Rachel almost won Calgary Rachel. You talk about Rocky's optionality, her sort of like yeah, inside outside. Exactly, yeah, I, get I get it for sure. What is Sarah's version of that? Like, oh, I can bring that missing piece that we didn't have in 2023. What is that? I don't know the answer. So so you, you said earlier that there's like almost a reactionary impulse that if we lost out on Calgary, that that's the hole that needs to be filled. So the way I'd frame the question is, what of these pieces, left, right, um, ideology, swim lane, big tent, small tent, like insider that wants to undo all the things, Corey, a, a swim lane you brought up, What what which of these sort of pieces, how would you define the missing piece? Because you can't define it as Calgary. You can define it as further right. At least I don't think you can if you're Sarah Hoffman. How would you start looking at all the pieces on the board and say, you know what? I'm going to grab this one and I'm going to try my fucking best to make the race about this. But, uh, you know, that is what's so interesting about it and why I don't hold the bad framing against Steven. Hey, it wasn't bad. I don't really know. Hmm. (laughs) It was fine. And actually, it might even be enough to win. But if you want to talk about the. But if you want to talk about the next step, right? And, And look. Campaigns shouldn't make the mistake of thinking about the next step, but there there is kind of a question of electability this brings into question here, right? Like, why Sarah? You'd argue the what last- What is Sarah going to do differently? You'd argue the 2020 no. Democratic race was all of- You had excitement across Sanders and Buttigieg and Kamala Harris, but it all came about who could beat Trump. It was, it was a pure elect- and I, and I hearken back on that for the very simple sure. reason that the ballot box question of this race- might in some way, shape, or form be around viability, right? To to your point. So it's 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 very well so put. so you to, for you to say you shouldn't think about the next step. In many cases, it might very rapidly become the immediate step, depending on the will of the membership and the initial framing. Well, and let's be clear: if there are two other candidates, if they Pushing. have brains in their head yes. and both of them are super smart, they are going to push this, right? Like how you like think most outsiders are to going be. to if they enter the race, most hundred percent, exactly. right? Oh, yeah. And so they're going to say. How does this bring us to victory? How does this take us well, to the next step? Sarah and then, Hoffman and, and, I don't know. already had the reins of power when making these decisions. She's, you know, can you? why can would you we give court? them back to her? Well, I mean, this is what's interesting to me, right? Like, let's let's try to get our best version of this. Like, we've got time. Um, yeah. Clearly. Uh, no, sure. Listeners may not, but we do. <laughs> yeah. um, at least I Merry Christmas, yeah. everybody. Yeah. yeah. So- could you play the insider who wants to undo all the things while still getting the halo of Rachel? No. That's too much of a pretzel, no. right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, you're, I mean, you're no, building too many I times. I think somebody... She can Maybe somebody could. I don't think she Sarah can. Sarah can Okay, so yeah, that's not that's on the challenge. That's not there for you. Blue New Democrat is out. Party change, name change person. You guys said that's a different race. Inclusivity, big... big te- could she run against type Carter? And I, I ask you particularly because this is your, your favorite strategy. Do something that people don't expect of you, right? When they think of Sarah Hoffman, they think of someone who's been there a long time and someone who's going to probably make the party smaller rather than larger. Could she somehow be the big tent person with the core sort of uh, roots? I'm just I'm putting these out there as thoughts to kickstart 
putting this together. We're supposed to be trained professionals, so let's let's help Sarah Hoffman on this. Yeah, and, and arguably, well, I'm look, sure her I, team will come up with something good. But like, you know, we're for sure. Yeah. I'm not uh, sure that that's say, the path to victory, though. Like, if she has to go that way, is she winning? You know, if 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 going, she has to be going. if she has to be in someone like it's it's kind of like what they're doing right now with the whole uh, opposing the uh, tax increase on. Uh, oil and gas that's going to be coming in, right? Yeah, I, I missed this. You guys were talking about this, but I missed this completely. Yeah, the, so so yeah. the oil and gas um, tax, or so the, the, the tax on uh, fuel that was reduced and eliminated last year, it, you know, as part of an election ploy on affordability, uh, is coming back. And the New Democrats are like, how could they do this? And, and I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, you're you're for the carbon tax. The carbon tax is about pricing, slowing down the consumption of of you know carbon intensive fuels. And now you're you're on both sides of the issue at the same time. Like it, it it's not true to the brand. So if this is going to be successful, um, if Sarah Hoffman's going to be successful, she has to be true to the Sarah Hoffman brand. And sadly for her, or good for her, the Sarah Hoffman brand is tied up. In Rachel Notley, like big time tied up. There, there is something yeah. to be said about like the brute, for, like that she will not win on an air war. That'll just be brute force retail. She's and it probably may, it, got sixty percent of the existing membership right off the right, bat. Right. Well, which and will, she knows them all. <laughs> to Corey's gotta, point, she can call uh, them all tomorrow, and and win them all over. You know, because she well, she knows but, their names, she has their addresses, she can send Christmas. She she can do all the work. That's right there well, at her fingertips. Let's talk about the things that she has that the other candidate, or, or like, the, not that they don't have it, especially because the first on my list is compassion, but the things that she's known for, right? Like that retail politician knowing everybody, yeah. maybe that's your brand, right? Maybe you go in and you're like, this is... I, I'm running because I, I need an Alberta New Democratic Party that's there for people. Let me tell you my personal story. Let me tell you about the times the government wasn't there for me. And I don't need the government to run my life. But when there's nobody else in my life, I need I need some support, right? And that's true of a lot of Albertans. And, and for God's sake, the last thing we need is a government that is so uncaring that it will do X, it will do Y, it will do Z. Literally a million mm-hmm, examples mm-hmm. with any government, any time. Mm-hmm. This one seems particularly rife on certain days. You also do then have the ability to kind of harken back and say there have been dark days and there have been bright days for the New Democrats. And I was there for the dark days and I was there for the bright days. And most importantly, I was there on the walk from dark to bright. And I've got that experience that can get us back to government here. And, and there is like a story you can tell, and I think it will be particularly compelling with the existing membership base. And by the way, we haven't talked about rules, but if the rules really tighten up the ability to sell membership, that might be very compelling. Yeah. That might be a compelling story. It's it's interesting because it's it, this exercise, you know, all, although quite loose in in its definition, is is exposes like beyond enumerating the risks and opportunities, exposes like the real sort of like opportunities and risk when you try to put the pitch together, right? Around yeah. like what what it is for each of these candidates, which kind of makes me want to talk about the rules for a second. Can we, Carter? And let me start it this way, which is like. <laughs> <laughs> Magic wand it for me from a party perspective. Like it's eight. I just gotta say. Yeah, what are we at? We at four hours yet? Sunday, December seventeenth at oh, eight yeah. PM Sorry. will pass before we finish uh you know recording oh, yeah. at it's, this rate. It's, it's right. tough. Um and, and we'll come after you, Dave. 
Like we will yeah. fuck you up, okay? <laughs> I mean, I bet I could say this. It, it, this is like uh, what a show guest past eleven p.m. on network. You can start saying the f word. Yeah, you can. Uh, yeah. It's the watershed. Yeah, Dave, we'll fuck you up, man. If we don't get this this award, okay? Some of yeah. us really need it, okay? That's uh, <laughs> all uh, we're clinging to at this stage. Really. We own Tell Dave for a year. Just imagine what we could do to you. Okay, uh, that's a great point. That's a mild, that was a mild threat to the nicest person in Alberta I, politics. Okay, Carter. He's not um, the nicest. I'm the nicest. Well, you are a person in Alberta politics. So try to cling on to Alberta politics. Um, Magic won the rules for me if you're the party. There's a, probably a balance of criteria that you have in terms of money for money, like money, like fucking money into the party. Um, yeah. um, inside, outside, prevention. We've also heard rumors of Take Back Alberta. In fact, I think Parker is out there saying it himself, saying we're going to usurp the NDP leadership yeah, race. sure is. So yep. g- give me like top line sense. We could probably spend an hour on this if we wanted to. Um, <laughs> might be a good, end, good question to ask you guys. Do we want to? I don't know if you, I don't know what you're. Yeah, yeah let's keep going. Fuck let's it. do it. Let's do it all. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's the, here's the magic yeah. wand with the, with the leadership. Yeah, what, what do you want? What do you want them to be? What do you want Number them to be? One, you're right. Currently 25% of the leadership votes come from unions. That's got to go away, right? That can't continue. Um, so that change has to happen. Second thing, don't worry too much about David Parker taking over. Um, David Parker's, he, he, sure, they're zombies. His people are zombies and they will follow him to the ends of the earth. But the, they do feel like the ends of the earth are the New Democrats. Uh, so will they actually buy memberships uh, for the New Democratic Party um, in a leadership where they don't have their own candidate. So all you really need to do is keep the candidate out. You don't need to develop any specific rules uh, about that. So just a green light, red light on the candidate and act faster than David Eby did. Um, I'd actually be far more concerned about a takeover from the environmental side uh, in the same way that uh, the BC New Democrats faced that with David Eby. Um, but the, 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 the eliminate, you know, strong party that says yes these people can run or no they can't run and eliminating the union vote be my two big things preferential ballot uh immediate uh single transferable vote that moves the that that declares a winner right off the bat with no points for ridings that's a trap that the new democrats don't need to fall into they don't need to run a race that's 87 ridings equally weighted they need to run a race that makes calgary and edmonton super viable with Red Deer, Lethbridge, Medicine Hat, Grand Prairie, and Fort McMurray as kind of secondary markets. Uh, so just don't worry one, about one member, everywhere. one vote. Standard one member, one vote with preferential is what yeah. you're suggesting. Uh, yeah. Time horizon. D- throw throw something on the table and then I got Corey to react to this. Short, long, in terms of how long you have to be. I'm talking in two forms. Campaign itself and how yeah. long you have to be a member. Uh, you should be a member for a year to run. You should be a member for two weeks to vote. Uh, that'll get you your biggest push. The campaign itself should only be three to four months. Uh, these long campaigns are bankrupting candidates. They are just brutal. Stop doing long campaigns. Four months at the longest, three months at the shortest. And the campaign, the, the party should only take about 15 cents on the dollar, nothing more than that on the donations. And they shouldn't have one of those fucking 
uh, everybody's got to give us $3 million to run type like of a, Like a bond or, or not even a it's, bond, like a non-refundable be, bond. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be a legitimate amount of money to run, but not a uh, punitive amount of money to run. 25K? I think 25 That's is not great. enough. 50? Ah. Okay, okay. 25, Corey, let me say- to, 25 to, to 40, maybe. 25 to 40, okay, Corey, let me summarize for you. React to this, yeah, if that's cool. 25 to 40K, three to four month race, two weeks uh, membership, you have to hold a membership for two weeks to vote, a member for a year to run, no points by riding, single transferable vote, uh, one member, one vote. Uh, what else did you have, Carter? You had some some commentary in regards to keeping the, the TBA candidate uh, yeah, out, just, so to speak. Just have a yes, no, go, go no, go on the can- candidates. Corey, react to any and all of it. What's right? What's wrong? What needs to be tweaked? And I'm, the frame I'm asking you is the party. You are the party, right? Your your interest is the yeah. party. Yeah. So let's start with the easy ones that I agree with Stephen on. One is you manage the worry about Take Back Alberta at the candidate level. You don't worry about it at the membership level. Because also these groups are so insular and weird they're not even gonna even if they wanted to try to screw with your race Mm -hmm. if you have three candidates all of which are fine you they're not even gonna know which one is good or bad for them electorally because they're so mindlessly following one particular ideological path here right so yeah maybe a year maybe it's three years over the past 10 years maybe it's something that proves that this was a person who was in the ndp for some length of time donations count find a system to make sure it's actually somebody who cares about the ndp Um, but be mindful especially like if you make it you must have had a membership there may be some outsiders who won't hit that threshold because they couldn't hold a membership right because they couldn't for whatever reasons or whatever right so that's a possibility there but i do think that there are ways around that and just make really tight approving of candidates uh, where you manage that particular issue i also think you don't do points as a bit of a safeguard to that because take back alberta will especially if it's like 100 points for everybody instead of like that's the ceiling yeah you're going to end up with a bunch of rural ridings where those votes are going to seem really important because even if you even if you have a ceiling even if it's not like you immediately get 100 points for a riding the reality is you're going to have places in calgary with many hundreds if not thousands of ndp members and you don't want them diluted versus you know david parker's supporters out in some random part of alberta mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. some small town where everybody's voting in a post so don't don't do points like any any complication of rules helps rule fuckers and take back alberta is a bunch of rule fuckers so keep this thing really simple right you keep the rules simple you keep the contest clean Did you as say a general sheep fuckers? principle here I said rule, oh, R-U-L-E. I thought you said sheep yeah. fuckers. Okay. Sorry. That's, <laughs> That's my bad. And then people who want to fuck with the rules. And then um, I couldn't agree more about a short campaign. Love a short campaign. Always. All of the action happens just before the deadlines anyhow. It's like long periods of languish and just trying to find reasons to get together for another debate that nobody cares about. Make it fast, frenetic. Have these things come at you quick, especially, especially if you can buy memberships late. I love right up to the wire. That's when there's the most public interest and excitement. That's when the late breaking candidates would get their momentum anyhow, and you don't preclude that. So you really get to see how people are through the stretch. And let's be clear, if there's been a shadow campaign for four months when this thing is actually called, 
another four months makes it an eight-month campaign anyhow. You know, another eight months makes it a year-long campaign, and that's fucking brutal. So I, I generally agree with everything that Stephen said here. I also do believe you need to just simplify your leadership rules again. It's all about simplifying. Get out these point systems that rate, you know, union memberships one thing and other memberships another thing. Simple, 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 simple. One member, one vote. Buy your membership late. Deal with the rest of it on the candidate level. That's my strong advice. I want to pick up on one thing that I I just want clarity on, Corey. You'd say memberships right up until voting? Is that what you'd suggest? Yeah, like Carter said two two weeks. Two weeks, two weeks. Yeah, like, I think there's kind of, depending on your method of voting, a logistical, like, last day. Maybe it's three days, maybe it's two weeks if you're mailing the ballots or whatnot. But, like, the later you can run it to the end, that's when you're going to get all the media interest. That's when you're going to get people out there saying, oh, look, there's another NDP leaders debate and all of that. I think that's fun. I think that's good. Speaking... Good fun for... Yeah, I mean, if it been seven days, that'd be ideal. But I was thinking logistics as well. Logistics become a challenge. Give me the natural extension um, to to all of this. How how it kind of culminates in person, like rally like feel, like celebrate Rachel, sort of like that sort of thing. Specific to the new candidate, like it, celebrate Rachel, thank Rachel, new person. Like give give me if you're organized, you're the party, right? This is what yeah. help me organize the culmination. Where where does the train so the- ultimately land in the station for the most success for us? Yeah, culmination, not Rachel's day, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is the new leader's day, the minute it becomes that. So find a different way to to thank Rachel. Obviously, that will be part of the program, but it's not the program. Parties do tend to overestimate the enthusiasm of leadership campaigns for these big events, can I say? Mm. Like, because they're like, we'll get a big haul and we can fill it. It'll be a great thing. And for the leader, fuck you. We're trying to get votes out. Yeah. We're out there trying to make sure that people are actually doing the things we need them to do to win. I'm not going to put 400 bodies in a room for you on that particular day. So my other advice to the party is don't don't try to do that. Like, obviously, you need a show and you need to be able to make sure the leader doesn't look like they're in an empty room. But the ways to do that are to have a modest size room. Make sure that there's some time between the closing of the votes and the announcing of the votes. Let people get there. Don't try to do the thing parties so often try to do, which is think that this is about the party infrastructure of the day. It's not. It's about making sure that the next leader gets the best foot forward. And there are ways you can do that where literally you could have 50 people in the room and it would look great to television and online. And those are probably the things that you need to be looking at. Carter, wh- where does this train land? Uh, you, you've got opinions on on how these days should look uh, based on past episodes. How should this day look if you were organizing it for the Alberta NDP? Well, I mean, I think you, I, I'd be very interested in doing a vote on one day and an event the next day. Um, the Liberals in Ontario just try to do an event uh, a week two, two later. Or I a week after? Yeah, a week, a week, a week later. later. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it was too long. Uh, I think that too the next long, day but is, like, is fine. I get the idea. Yeah. And I do agree with Corey, even though I'm kind of saying, well, you know, let's do a little event. Uh, it's going to be an event in Calgary. It's not going to be an event in Edmonton. Um, and it's going to fill the room, but it's not going to be a huge room. Uh, because ultimately, these things now exist in, uh, you know, on on the internet, really. They're not really for anything more than that because the internet is actually your primary medium that you wish to to show that you can communicate with people. So s- focus on that, create a really good web show and you know, have that as your primary outcome rather than worrying about all these other things that could go wrong or could happen or could be part of it. Uh, I would just entirely focus on the 
on the uh, on the web. Corey, um, let's walk through each of these three candidates. Wh- which, how would they be lobbying for rules that are different? What what rules benefit? And should they be lobbying for rules yeah. right now? Like, do you lobby for rules? Just let's start here. Well, let's just be okay. clear. I I think it's a great exercise, if only because us having this conversation will help sort of expose it when it does occur. Mm-hmm. Right? I would say anything. A, especially when you've got three candidates in the caucus, you know, any tightening of candidacy benefits them. Yes. So just be aware that that's generally occurring. Yep. Although we have all recommended it for different reasons. So I think we should acknowledge that as well. Tightening of membership affects them variably. I think it benefits Sarah Hoffman the most. So like if you effectively had a way so there were no other members after today, Mm -hmm. it's probably advantage Sarah. Although I don't, 100% 100% believe that the existing membership today in a vote would for sure 100% vote for Sarah Hoffman because of the electability questions that other candidates might try to bring in. But I do think it would benefit Sarah. So I think the later the membership is, I could say the more fair the, the voting field, I think supporters of Sarah Hoffman might say the less fair, but I think that that is a bit of a difference that you need to watch there. Point systems will disadvantage Edmonton, almost certainly. Mm-hmm because it will probably put a cap as to what an Edmonton vote is, and that is at least the current base of support. So maybe a better way to put that is a point system seems at least to me right now to most obviously disadvantage Sarah Hoffman, mm. because she will only be able to get so many votes out of there. And uh, maybe it might even advantage uh, Kathleen Ganley, because Calgary will have a number of ridings where arguably you would think Kathleen would have a natural advantage. Um and they're going to have the same cap as like an Edmonton Mill Woods, which will have, you know, a very, or Mill Creek will have a very different view or a number of members. So I think those are some of the obvious ones right off the bat. And um, then I will just say like the size of the entry fee will obviously exclude anybody who's kind of taking a flyer or is a tire kicker. Mm-hmm. Your mileage will vary on who that quote unquote benefits. I think that actually too low of one and you might have uh, more caucus members coming in and saying, yeah, sure. What the hell? Right. Um, But again, the people at the top of the list tend to benefit the most, like in terms of like most often mentioned, tend to benefit most from high entry fees. Yeah. Even though I know I'm the guy who said 25K was too low. I think 100 is fine. You're thinking about becoming, you know, a leader who's contesting to be the premier. Yeah. But you're also dealing with very strict fundraising rules that you brought in. Yeah. So you best not be, you best not be uh, uh, cheating you know, are breaking those fundraising rules. So, hey, for sure. you know, this is a uh, bit of a dilemma that the NDP create for themselves because the the rules are going to be, are going to be sticky and tricky. Carter? Talk. Well, and again, fewer rules, the better. Yeah. Because the more rules there are, you want to talk about who advantages, it's, it's take back Alberta. It's the people mm. who sit up there and read through the constitution for ways that they can get the queen to remove the government. Yeah, <laughs> Carter, I'm going to land this plane. Give me your thoughts on, on some of these rules. Corey, Corey's kind of laid out which set of rules advantage which of these candidates going forward. Any deviations to what Corey said? Are you good on that? Or do you want to do you want to throw your hat into, into that well, conversation? Just understand that whatever the rules are, these campaigns are um, almost required to push the limits to determine where how far they can get away. Uh, you know, what can they do to uh, advantage themselves in, in this situation. So um, you better have a really strong uh, 
returning officer that's going to stand at the gate and make sure that this campaign is run fairly. Um, if you have a campaign uh, returning officer that no one knows or no one likes, no one trusts, it's going to really undo uh, what could be a really big party building opportunity. And every decision that is ultimately taken shouldn't be taken with the idea of who it advantages or disadvantages. Every decision that is made needs to be put through the party lens and say, does this help the party? So, for example, the Liberals pushing their their announcement off by a week, did that help or did that hinder? I'd argue that it hindered. Others may have an argument that it helped. Um, But whatever you choose to do, uh, it's for the party because leaderships aren't actually about the new leader. Leaderships are about taking a, a party from position A to position B. Too many leaderships slide backwards. This leadership could be one that really launches the party forwards. Hmm. I'm going to leave that segment there, Corey. Move it on to our over, under, and our lightning round. You may have uh, heard of this segment. We do it for Stephen Carter, oh which God. means I'll oh, let you okay. go first. Uh, but Corey, I don't know if this letting you go first is um, is exactly a blessing in, in this particular question, because it's a <laughs> one question over, under, lightning round. Oh, um, I have no idea how long we've recorded at this point. Who knows? Um, it could be... Mo- uh, we're coming up on two hours, uh, but we're not there yet. Okay, do you want me to milk we this? We might try to... Can we milk this? We might have to. Okay, well, yeah, I, can, I, I can add questions, Corey. I mean, come on. One thing people can do <laughs> while they wait wait for me to stall is go to telldave.ca, okay? Yes. You got to tell Dave, uh, 8 You got to get there PM. before 8 p.m. Mountain time. Sunday, December 17th. Sunday, December 17th. Mountain time. Please, please right. be there. Yeah. Uh, Carter, you're coming second. Corey, you're going first on this. Here's the question, Corey. With everything we have just discussed, we don't know the rules yet, but we've put the pitches out. We have insight into some of the situation, I guess, from from the analysis, from the article, from the scuttlebutt, from the conversations. Which of the three candidates between Rocky Pancholi, Kathleen Ganley, or Sarah Hoffman would you want to be right now? Wow, that's interesting. Okay, um... You can work it out for okay. folks. You, you yeah. can give somebody so, show your look, math situation if you'd like to. So there's there's an argument that it's Sarah because she's in pole position, right? At least in our assessment and analysis. Yeah. And maybe other people will come in and say, we think you're nuts. And your view from Calgary of Edmonton's feelings about Sarah are wrong or, or you know, that's all possible. I'm not denying that for a particular, for a minute, you know. But let's just say what we said, we at least, you know, are willing to stand by as we go through this analysis. I would say, you know, that's not so bad to be. And and certainly even the newspaper article suggested that you'd be Rachel Notley's choice. And that's not so bad uh, to see. So I guess that's the argument for her. I would still worry about all of the things we talked about, right? Like in terms mm-hmm. of like, does this really tell the story you need to tell and all of that? Kathleen, I think, probably has the easiest brand. Like, of all of the ones we did, and admittedly, it's it's highly variable depending on how competent we are minute to minute, but I think Calgary Rachel, that's a super easy shorthand that's going to serve her well. And I, I should say, you know, personality-wise, they're not that, that similar. But yeah. on paper, on paper they, you know, they, they seem pretty similar. Sure, sure, as, as, as we mentioned. And then, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then uh, when you think about Racky, I think... I kind of I kind of love the position she's in just in general. That's the fun position to be in. I like the in, switch right? hitter, like, oh, okay. like, you know, sort of, you know, if she needs to be this, she can well, be but that. It, yeah. But, you know, it's like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to do it a little bit interesting. And that's kind of a fun campaign to be in, too, hmm. right? And to have kind of the latitude to do that and to know that that gets to be your, your brand if you want it to be your brand and to know... 
that the expectations probably weigh differently on you than they do on Sarah, for example. So it's the perennial question. Do you want to be the front runner at this point, knowing the front runner often fades? Do you want to be the dark horse, knowing the dark horse doesn't always win? And by the way, she's not the dark horse. She was listed as one of the three big candidates here Mm -hmm, in this article. mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's an open question. I think being in, I think having talked it out, I think I would rather be Kathleen or Racky than Sarah, but I like not. I don't feel very strongly about that. Carter, do you feel strongly about your your pick? If if, if, if you feel free to work it out as well, yeah. but give me give me your take. Well, I think that my take is going to be relatively similar to Corey's. Uh, I think that I, I'm not a person who really thinks that front runner campaigns are easy to win. Uh, and that may come just from the fact that most of my campaigns uh, have been, you know, underdog style campaigns. I just think that they're, it's really easy to frame someone who's known. And uh, that framing is most often very negative for them. Uh, so I, I think that that's going to be a burden uh, that each of these candidates is going to have to, to carry. So I think, First of all, I think I agree. I, I think the least, the the person who's going to be the least strong is is probably Sarah Hoffman. Um, I think that people will have a difficult time getting excited to buy a lot of new memberships from her. I think she'll do really well within the existing membership, but that may not be enough. Um, I think that Kathleen's going to be hampered by her, um, in you know, kind of. Um, her inability to kind of work on the bigger stage. She works really well on the small stage. And I think that she's a great person, but I think that this is going to be a big stage. Uh, and if Racky makes it a big stage, then that's going to be very positive for her. So I like Racky kind of in my, I'm actually going to put Racky in my second spot though, because I think that the person that's really the most advantaged is someone who's going to come from outside. Who's going to be, if someone comes from outside, who's well-financed and, has the ability to kind of beat everybody on their uh, on new terms on a new frame that we haven't even thought about here. Then I think someone from outside could really do well. Oh, fucking Carter, opening up that. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll look. It'll, it's actually a great point. Can I let's say just, it's let's a just great talk point. about it? Then fuck it. Yeah. yeah, because we have talked about these three candidates who got the pictures in the CBC article. And that's what we, we wanted to have this rooted and in we something. Wanted to, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'm not saying it was the bad way to approach. I think it is absolutely the, the best way to enter into this. It's why we gave it two hours here. That's why we could give it another two if we really wanted to here. Yeah. Hey, do, but do we want to do that? as oh, we're yeah. going through the list, there were a number, maybe a little, I don't know, but like there, there were a number of times going through the list. I thought, they're similar in its shades, right? Like, how long have they been in caucus was a spectrum. But it's a spectrum, right? It's it's like shades. There is a space for someone who's like, never been in caucus. Nope. Forget that. You know? Nope. You know? I, uh, I, I just am an entirely different paradigm. The three of them are fighting in one paradigm. I'm in an entirely different paradigm. And I actually do think there's a massive opportunity. There are names, on that names being mentioned. Gil McGowan, uh, Nenshi, others in that in that article. Um, oh, we're, I'm sorry, Zane. Uh, we were talking about talented people. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ, Carter. Uh, but, why, but why are you like this? What did I so, say? So, what did I say? <laughs> Carter never puts something out on the table unless he's got it. Like, cough up, Carter. What are you talking about? Like, give me the composite of this person if you don't want to give me this person. 
right? Like, well, like be, a, a, a well-financed person. person that 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 is a member for the last year or so, right? If we're going with your set of rules, right? Like, I, invariably, I there's someone who comes forward who is interesting. Um, and that person who comes forward that is interesting. Define interesting. Let's let's be more specific. What does interesting mean to you? Right? You said you don't like breaks the, the the breaks the logjam that currently exists with these three existing candidates. I mean, each of them in some fashion is going to be compared to Rachel. Each of them in some fashion is going to be compared to to Danielle Smith, and and some of those favorable or unfavorable comparisons are going to be tricky to make. But I think that. A new someone who comes in in a new paradigm is going to be sh- seen as someone who's immediately competitive uh, with Danielle, not just immediately competitive with, um, you know, with with the existing NDP leadership. I think that someone who comes in who's got the ability to uh, hold people's attention. I mean, what as you've the just conversations put, happening. Uh, can I be fair for a second? What you've just listed sounds like. The standard trap voters fall into with like this unicorn candidate. Someone that, always like, wants a unicorn. People always lo- want a unicorn. Corey, the, the, this, this person may not develop Zane, right? The the person may not come out. But I, I you're not even talking about develop. That. You're you're talking. You're effectively saying someone who's on the shelf that we could just slot in who does all these things. That well, that we've is already also got posters for you. Right, so yes, like we're yes, half finally yeah, the two-hour yeah. mark. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> finally, it's a, I, was, I was here the whole time, Carter. We got posted. Well, I mean, don't this, think you're my first choice. Uh, this twelve hundred seventy-five episode rom-com finally finds its conclusion. There I was you go. here the whole time, yeah. Carter. Uh, Corey, your thoughts on this, though? In, in seriousness, like yeah, Carter, yeah. Carter's asking Look. for a lot. To be clear, for this oh, yeah. outsider to play. But he doesn't have okay, a name, well, and he doesn't have. Listen, he doesn't Alison have a well, was an outsider. No, 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 right? no, no, no. Like, and we made yeah, her. She that only had two people support her in that caucus, right? Oh, I thought she could say well, overall. Well, she had two if you count herself. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. Then the guy who lost yeah. his uh, nomination race—that was powerful. And did it out of spite. Lost it yeah. to Rick Frazier. Less okay. than a hundred votes. I think, I think the listeners know we're just waiting till eight. Maybe eight, we're just waiting mark. till eight p.m. Uh, I am so until fucking tired <laughs> right now. By the way, yeah, like no, I, it tells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need okay. a Literally, like, Corey, Corey, end us on on something good here. I well, what I think is, you are a hundred percent right, Zane. There is the problem of like, who is this mystical unicorn? Who is this person who's going to do this for the NDP? But what I would observe and what I would underline and what I think is the truth in what Stephen has said here is that if you squint, all of the candidates that we're talking about kind of look the the same same, to the average voter, right? And so that presents an awfully big opportunity for somebody who maybe looks a little bit more economically conservative, maybe somebody who is, you know, from a world outside of politics, who brings in personality from elsewhere, who who maybe was, um, you know, actually, we'll even use Nahed for a second here, right? Like, Nahed... Who, who just like had cachet as somebody who was the smartest guy in the room before he stood up and said, I am the smartest guy in most rooms. I'd like to try to be the smartest guy in the mayor's office for a bit, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there, now listen, that now he has got a lot of baggage from having been mayor. And if they think that he's going to win Calgary, I think that that's a whole separate podcast. But I do think somebody is going to look at this situation just as Nahed did in 2010 and say, you know what? Maybe nine Naheds out of 10 fail. But sometimes one comes forward and does it. And, you know, it's it's it does feel like there's some open terrain in this race. That is all I think 
that we can say at this particular moment. I like it. I'm going to leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 1275 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Velger. With me, as always, Stephen Carter, Corey Hogan, and make sure you go to telldave.ca for 8 p.m. on Sunday, December 17th. Um, Our pride and glory uh, is on the line. Telldave.ca, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 